We get it poppin', homie, day and night. Got the party jumpin', bout to break the ice. Stay up on my grind, that's my way of life. I got tunnel vision, I'ma chase that ray of light. And uh, Kansas has come back in the in the championship game. Wow. There's a possibility of him losing all of these games in the division. I'm not that's not a knock against the Raiders. <laughs> I think Devontae Adams is really in for a good awakening. The, the Jets have done everything to my expectations and further so far. Uh, and, and they've been aggressive too. But it might be like Joe Douglas's job on the line. What is going on, everybody? You are back here on Jake's Takes. Of course, the podcast presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. As always, I'm Jake Serrano taking you through some of my takes to start your weekend off. And it is a happy, happy Saturday. We got... Our recording day is a little, we got the show split up a little bit, but once this comes together, it's going to look really good. I got my main man. I could not do this show without him. I got Fawad Farouk coming back here. Fawad, I'm happy to have you back. How are we doing today? Jake, first off, thanks for that beautiful introduction. I really loved it. (laughs) You know, I love being on the show. It's a pleasure being on the show, you know. It's been a couple of busy weeks, you know, we haven't been filming together for a couple of weeks now, but I'm so excited to be back. I know you have a graduation coming up. I want to be the first one to congratulate you on that, Thank on you, your sir. big achievement. <laughs> I got a, I got a graduation myself coming up. That's right. Congratulations. Exci- yeah, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. But we got a lot to talk about today. NFL schedule releasing, and we got a huge conference finals, two big series coming up. That's right. So excited to be on the show again and get talking about it. So, Fouad, there's been a lot going on. Haven't seen you in a little bit, but I- I'm ready to rock and roll and uh, and hit this good. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. So here we go. So we got our first segment of the day. Like I said, we're going to start with some NFL segments first. Uh, since I bring out Fouad, I figured we'll talk about the Broncos today. We're talking about the schedule. We got an 18-game schedule, as we saw last year. And we're going to go through each game. We're going to go win-loss, and we'll see what the record is at the end. But since I got Fawad on today, I figured we'd do the Broncos and, uh, and see how they're doing. But I'm going, to lead you, I'm going to let you lead the floor on this. They got week one. They're at Seattle. So I'm going to let you lead this, and then I'm going to argue with you because uh, that's what I'm going to do as a Jets fan until we get to week seven. I mean, first off, what a way to start off the Broncos year. We have at Seattle, Russell Wilson returning to Lumen Field against his former coach, Pete Carroll, against a different team. And for the Broncos, we have a lot at stake as well. We're playing against our former quarterback, Drew Locke. You know, a well-structured Broncos team. We made a lot of adjustments this offseason. And overall, I'm just so excited to see this team perform this season. Overall, we got a player's head coach in Nathaniel Hackett who understands the player. He's implementing a system in which Russell Wilson is very comfortable in. And a huge Monday night game to close out week one. I really got the Broncos pulling this one out in week one. Um, What do you got to say about that? I am also going to give them the W here. That's what I was my first thought. Uh, yeah, the Broncos, they did them a service giving them this game first. They're getting it out of the way, plus they're at Seattle. So he's back. Russell Wilson's back in his old home. He's getting the jitters out of the way. Plus this offense has got to kind of come together too. He's got Nathaniel Absolutely. Hackett, new coaching staff. Russell Wilson's there. Um, the Broncos last season, they struggled, I want to say, mildly on offense. They ranked – and a lot of perspective receiving and receptions, they ranked last 
or towards the bottom half of the league. In defense, though, as we know, they ranked towards the top half. Probably, I think they were probably top five or top ten in defense last year, total defense. So this team can improve, and they will improve, especially with Nathaniel Hackett, and they got Russell Wilson now. So to get this game out of the way, I think it's an awesome matchup. I don't know who Seattle's quarterback's going to be. Looks like they got Drew Locke and Geno Smith, as we know. So we'll see who battles it out and who plays week one. But I, uh, I would like to say they get the jitters out of the way. He goes back to Seattle. I want to say they welcome him with open arms as well. And uh, they get the Broncos get that first W of the year for against Seattle. I could see that happening. It's going to be a tough one for him to overcome the emotions and all that. But I could see this being a really nice game. I mean, I think, you know, when you look at a guy like Russell Wilson has won more games than any quarterback in NFL history over the first 10 years of his career, you know, you really got to welcome him with open arms and give him all the cheers and all the love that he's given to your city, a Super Bowl victory over the Denver Broncos. So, you know, it's kind of a coincidence. He's now playing for the team that he beat in the Super Bowl. But I'm just overall, just when this schedule came out, I was just so excited to see where all the chips were going to fall and who we were going to play first. I just I also wanted to see how the end of the season was going to roll along, because with the division, the AFC West, it's it's going to be so stacked. You know, uh, you look at it, you want to get those uh, games out of the way the ones that seem to be a little easier than the ones you're going up against uh, former playoff teams that were in there a year prior. So it's going to be, it's going to be crucial for the Broncos to get off to a hot start. Yeah. And then week two, I believe we got the Houston Texans coming up uh, and that will be at home. They'll be at mile high. And then the next week is also at home against the Niners. So I just think this is a a win anyway, but do you have any thoughts on the Houston Texans? Uh, We already know. I think I think it's gonna I think we're gonna win this game. It's gonna be our first home game. This mile high crowd is gonna be so fired up. I'm so excited to see these fans go at it. You know, past couple of years we've had the COVID situation. Yeah. Last year we had fans back in the stadium, but you know, now looking at this new look Broncos team, we finally got that quarterback that we were missing for the past six years. So, you know, I'm really excited to see these mile high fans just go at it, go crazy behind this team because We've had we've had a missing piece for a long time in Russell Wilson. We got an incredible head coach, a first year head coach. The only thing I do question with the Broncos is how is their coaching going to fare against these other teams? You know, because mm-hmm. a lot of these other experienced head coaches may have the upper hand on Nathaniel Hackett. But when you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson under center for your team, anything's possible. And you're always going to be in the position to win a lot of a lot of games uh, over the course of an NFL season. I think this is interesting because, well, Russell Wilson, who I would say is probably one of the top quarterbacks in the league, statistically he has declined a little bit, but that has a lot to do with there was injury last year in Seattle and the way the team performed. Now he's going over to Denver with presumably a better squad when I look at paper. Um, But then you go into a tougher division, a tougher conference. And I tried comparing this to a couple things. But it's hard because even when Tom Brady moved on to his other team, Bruce Arians was already there. Now, he's an experienced head coach. He's been there. So it's a really important point that you bring up with Nathaniel Hackett. His first-year head coach is coming in, but he's working with a veteran, Russ Wilson. Most of the team has already, has already been there. It's a core team. Like, what really needs to be down is, is, is can coaching come together? Um, so that's why I think some of these matchups might be up and down. It might, there might be games where I throw at you and you might be like, well, that's a win. And I might say that's a loss just from the mere fact that I think they could be up and down to start the season until they catch their groove towards the end. 
Absolutely. It's all about you how know, you get we, hot till the end of the season. Yeah, it's, you know, a team, uh, the way that Denver is structured, there's a lot of young players on this team. We have Jerry Judy, we have KJ Hamler, we have a second year running back in Javante Williams. You know, I, I, I love I love the look of this team so far. And then you add a, like a high commodity like Russell Wilson, something this team was missing. And the narrative had been with Denver for the past all these years since they were lacking that one position at the quarterback position was they're a quarterback away. They're a quarterback away. Well, they got their answer at quarterback. Yeah, right. And I feel like, I feel like this is the start of like a golden age for the Denver Broncos. As we speak, I know we're in a tough division, <laughs> but I really, I really feel with all my heart, with all, all the love I have for these Denver Broncos. This is going to be an incredibly, incredibly fun season. I'm looking forward to it because we've been through such misery for the past six years after losing the Super Bowl and not making a single playoff appearance. This is the start of something really bright for the Denver Broncos. Now I'm truly worried for you in case this goes south. <laughs> <laughs> or if I give any type of loss on this on this record, on, on, on the Broncos record, oh, this is going to be uh... – you're going to give me hell for this. <laughs> I can feel a comment that you're so dedicated right now. But, all right, so they start off 2-0. and uh, I believe week three they're going after the San Francisco 49ers. This would be at home. Um, I, I Sunday think this night is, football game. This is yeah, a Sunday I, night football game. This is an interesting matchup because Jimmy G has not moved off from the 49ers. Debo Samuel, we know they had that little mix-up there. They don't have Raheem Mostert anymore, but they have uh, Elijah Mitchell back there on the backfield. What's going to happen with Debo? What's going to happen at the quarterback position? Like Trey Lance has to get going at one point, but they didn't get rid of Jimmy G. They couldn't get rid of him. Is he going to sit back and mentor? I think this is still a, a um, sorry NFC championship squad. Just a matter of fact of what can Trey Lance do. We saw some flashes of it last year. Yeah, this is going to be a really, really interesting matchup. I, I love the Broncos running game too, because you got Melvin Gordon, you got Javante Williams. It's a one-two punch back there. The 49ers just give me trouble on my head for some reason. Just say it. Just say it. Just say it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if why. It's, it, 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 it would be different if it was a Sunday night game um, in San Fran. It's tough to have them start 3-0. But I think it's possible. And I, I, if I, I would say this, uh, Wad. I would say this. If Jimmy G for some reason starts that game, I think the team is compo- uh, composed enough and and could do well enough to win that game. If it's Trey Lance, I'm curious to see how he starts this season, what his fundamentals and mechanics look like, how he's seeing the field. So for now, I, I'm, I think the Broncos can start off 3-0, but I'm a little weary on that matchup. I want to hear where you're at on that. Um, To be honest, you're going to be a little shocked on this, but I actually think the Broncos are going to lose this game just for the sole fact of the coaching dynamic that we have in play. Kyle Shanahan, an experienced head coach, an incredible offensive mind, loves to run the ball. Um, You know, Denver has been pretty pretty good against the run past couple of years they've been their defensive line is very well composed you add Randy Gregory you have Draymond Jones you have Bradley Chubb who's had a lot of injury concerns but when you look at it on paper I feel like this is gonna be about how the coaches go up against each other it's gonna be I feel like the players are definitely gonna be the ones that are gonna 
set the rhythm and do everything, but the play calling is going to be incredibly crucial. The game's going to be close. And I feel like this is going to be that first game where you see Nathaniel Hackett really face adversity in his, uh, in his, in his, NFL coaching career, his first year as a head coach, this is where he's going to be tested. You're going to get to see those moments in which how coaches do their play calling, what you're doing on these third and third and short situations, fourth and short situations. This is what this game is going to come down to. It's going to be a game of inches. I know this game's at home. I really think Denver will be able to pull it out. But at the end of the day, I feel like the coaching dynamic is going to play, play a huge role in this situation. I have the I have the Broncos losing this one. Okay, I can fare with that. Considering the fact that I was on edge for this game, I will I'll, I will write that down as a loss. So we're at three and one right now. No, you're at two and one. Yes, two and one, two and one. Two, two and one, one and – uh, then week four, they head on to the Las Vegas Raiders. They're going to play in Las Vegas. Another interesting game because we know what the Raiders did this offseason. They added Devontae Adams. They added a lot of key pieces to this team. Uh, I think they got better on offense. They got Josh McDaniels, the former Broncos head coach. Um, so now he's coaching for the Las Vegas Raiders. I think this is really interesting because the Raiders, they played really well last season, even after everything that happened with Rudin and and they were able to hold on, and they kept it as a team. I feel like this season, if they can get one complete season, they're right there on the edge. And the fact that they added so many good pieces this offseason, I I'll honestly want to say this would be a W for the Raiders, just for the mere fact that I think they're a little more complete. in the Because it, just the way this game falls, because it's in the beginning. But then again, you got Josh McDaniels, who, again, is an, another head coach who, who's done it before, but he's, got to, he's at his new team, and then you got Nathaniel Hackett a new coach, new head coach, a new team. I want to say the Raiders pull this out, but I want, I want to hear what you say on this. Um, to be honest, I feel like these divisional matchups have a little bit more juice to them. There's a little bit more. There's, there's a little animosity heading into the game. You know, It's the first divisional matchup for the Broncos this season, but the fact that it's in Las Vegas, I feel like the Raiders fans are really going to be wild up. They have an incredible team in place for Derek Carr to succeed. And to be honest, Derek Carr for me has been a middle of the pack quarterback. We have we saw him have an incredible passing season last year. They ended up even making the playoffs, which is a huge step for this Raiders team. But this year, this offseason has been incredible for them. They were able to acquire Devontae Adams, the best of the best, the creme of the crop of the wide receiving core in the Ooh. NFL. The best <laughs> receivers, the best receiver probably period in the NFL. And you look mm-hmm. at their defense, they ended up getting Chandler Jones. They ended up upgrading oh. a lot of their position on the defensive side of the ball. For me, I'm going to say that the Raiders are going to win this game for the sole fact that they're at home. They're going to have a lot of momentum heading into the game. The fans are definitely going to be riled up for this one for the sole fact that, you know, they're going up against a divisional foe. And I feel like the the Raiders are going to really pull this one out against the Broncos. In week I think four. at the beginning of the season, it's a lot to handle because I think Josh McDaniels is so creative. Then Derek Carr, he's been there. They were a playoff team last year. But don't forget, they got, they got Darren Waller. They got Josh Jacobs, and they got Hunter Renfro in there as well on offense. Amazing. And the defense, they upgraded. They still got Max Crosby, and like you said, Chandler Jones on the line. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough one for the Broncos. I, honestly, I would also agree with that, that I think the Raiders are going to pull this out for a win. So they're at to two and com- two. Yeah, to be completely honest, when you look at this Raiders team, they end up getting Josh McDaniels. You know, when you have Bill Belichick by your side, play calling is a lot easier. You have the guidance yeah, yeah. by your side. But now – 
you have the weapons, but it's going to come down to intangibles. Are you going to be able to make the right play right. calls? And these are the type of things that you hire a coach like Josh McDaniels for. He's in an incredible, he was in an incredible system in New England with Bill Belichick. But the thing is, now you have the weapons. It comes down to right. coaching. Is he the right guy for the job? We're really going to find out because all the weapons are in place for this Raiders team to succeed. They have a running game. And I know Josh McDaniels loves his running backs, loves to run the ball. Um, I just want to see how his play calling is like. I, I think it's interesting, too, because you. The, the Raiders, you look at their I think the defense is really going to be interesting because I think the offense has it. They added so many pieces to the defense. I want to see how that comes together. And again, Josh McDaniels is an offensive-minded coach, so we'll see how they pull that together. But did you hear everything that's going on in New England? Just for just for a sidestep, did you hear all that stuff going on in New England? They're alarmed. Bill, I heard Bill Belichick this morning. He was calling plays on offense. I don't know what's going on over there in New England, but once you lose Josh McDaniels, looks like the whole world's going down. But then you got to think about it too. Josh McDaniels was the head coach in Denver, and it didn't work out for him. So we'll see how he does yeah. here. I mean, I feel like this coaching gig is really a big one for him because yeah. I feel like he has one of the most well-assembled rosters we've seen in the whole league. The weapons that are on this team are just unbelievable. Devontae Adams, you have one of the best tight ends in Darren Waller, and then you have Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs in the backfield. You know, this team is poised to be a great team. They were in the playoffs last year, but now you look at this division, it's just so hard to even pick apart who do you think is going to win this division. Oh, the division that. is tough. Well, the vision, and then you look at the conference. The conference in general, it's unbelievable the way the AFC has just stacked on to their conference. The receivers that we have, the quarterback play is unbelievable. Russell Wilson just completely tipping the scale in in the AFC's favor with that quarterback competition. It's unbelievable with the way the competition has shifted drastically to the AFC. Um, Week five. So the, 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 the Broncos are two and two at this point. Week five, they're going to play the Indianapolis Colts, who we know they traded for Matt Ryan. Uh, they added some pieces. Their defense usually to me is pretty good. They added Stephon Gilmore. They got Nagakwe. Um, they still have Darius Leonard on defense. But every year it seems like it's the same story with the Colts, and they seem so interchangeable at quarterback. It just almost seems like a bad disease. Um I initially had thought that they were going to get the win, and I'm going to stick with that. Just for the mere fact that I can't, I can't comprehend how the how the Colts are going to do this season. They've been it's so in and out with quarterbacks. Frank Wright's been in and out with every quarterback. They thought Carson Wentz was going to work. It didn't. They bring in Matt Ryan. Uh, they had Philip Rivers for that season. Like it's just been so in and out since Andrew Luck. Um, but the defense for the Colts, I strongly believe in it's the offense and the weapons on offense too. Fouad. you got Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor, but then outside of that, there's not much else. So. Uh, I'm going to give them the W, but let me hear what you have to say first. I think overall, I think the Broncos are going to win this game after losing two straight. Yeah, I don't think they're going to win. I, I don't. Home, think it's at home, I believe too. Game. Yeah, it's a home game. I don't. I don't see them losing three straight at home. But for the sole fact that you know my, uh, Matt Ryan is going to be just getting into the flow of it. Yep. Five weeks into the season, but you look at it with the Colts, you only have Michael Pitt- Pittman Jr. on the outside. I feel like the weapons don't resonate well enough for the Colts to have that type of success. You have an incredible running game with Jonathan Taylor. Absolutely. You have an incredible offensive line, but you look at it outside of that. How much can that running game sustain itself? How much can Jonathan Taylor just carry this offense on its back? Because the running game is the heart and soul of this team when you look at it. 
But you look at that receiving core, you have Michael Pittman Jr., but outside of that, you know, there's just not much there. And so that's what the Broncos, the Broncos yeah. That's what the, the Broncos, Broncos looked like last season, Fouad. Not to say that their receiving core isn't good. I think they have a really good receiving core. But you looked at it last year, their running game was stronger than the receiving core. They played it heavy. I think this year it's be more of a balanced offense for the Broncos. But you look at the Colts. I want to say I said I did a show on this or I did a couple segments like this where I want to say the Colts in their last six or five games, Jonathan Taylor was under the mark of under his 100 100 yard rushing mark. And they didn't win any of those games. I think they won maybe it was five out of um, I'm sorry, they lost five out of six or whatever the stat was. They couldn't pull it together. And even when Jonathan Taylor, you know, wasn't at his best against the Jaguars that last game, they lost that, too. So I think it comes down to quarterback again. And again, my statement comes out. You got Matt Ryan, then you have Carson Wentz and Andrew Luck and all these guys that come in. Um, I think it's just too much, too much each season. You can't keep changing. And especially we talk about where the schedule falls. That's so important because I, I think the Broncos will be more ready with Russell Wilson, who I think is obviously a better quarterback. Um, I think it's really important where the schedule falls. And I would also give them the win on this. Uh, the Colts just, uh, they're not, they're not as intriguing as they used to be. And it's been two in now for me to, uh, to give them, to give the Colts the win on this. Yeah, I I definitely got to agree with you on that. The thing is, but the Colts is overall, they're a good team, but the thing with them is the quarterback position has hurt them drastically since Andrew Luck left. Frustrating a lot. You have Matt Ryan, but Matt Ryan has just, since that Super Bowl year where they had that New England catastrophe, you know, I just think about the regression in Matt Ryan's game. It just doesn't, I feel like he's a, he's a much better option than Carson Wentz was. Yeah. Yeah. At an upgrade at an upgrade rate. But overall, I feel like that Frank, Frank, him and Frank Reich will be able to implement a system where they can be successful, but overall it's just going to be the overall talent around Matt Ryan. And will they be able to hold up and make the necessary plays down the stretch to win some games? Now, at this point, they are three and two heading into a week six game against the Chargers. So they'll be, um, why am I forgetting? Los Angeles? Why am I, or why am I forgetting where yes. they're playing? Yeah. Los Angeles, Los Angeles. So, so they'll be at the Chargers week six. Um, I'm going to go first because I already know where I think this is going to go. Uh, and then I'm interested in what you have to say. But the Chargers are so. Seem so they impacted their team so much. So they almost made the playoffs last year. People were rooting from the tie that game. They almost made it in. Yada, yada, yada. I think Justin Herbert is a really good quarterback. I think this year he's going to take another big step. They have still have um, Austin Eckler back there. They got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. They added to the defense, which was one of their bigger problems. They added into the interior of the line. I want to say with, um, with Joseph Day on, on the defensive tackle, they added Khalil Mack back there. Um, JC Jackson, like defense was one of their bigger problems last year. And I think they added enough pieces on paper to solve this. I think they're going to come out. I, I think the Chargers are going to win this division. They're going to come out guns blazing. Uh, I'm actually going to give the Chargers the win on this game. I like the split division games, but for this game, at least I'm giving the Chargers on this. I think there's just too much firepower there. And they're, and they're all heading into their next year. You got Justin Herbert. He's still in the system and Brandon Staley. He's coming in again. So I think it's going to be too much for the Broncos to handle early in the season. But what do you think? You know, to be honest, I really, uh, I I agree with er- almost everything of what you're saying. But the thing, with, <laughs> the thing, the thing with uh, the Chargers is, I feel like 
some teams they just look so neat on paper. It just oh, looks look like good. everything's just gonna fall to place. They made all the necessary adjustments. You look at that defensive line, Joey Bosa, and then you add Khalil Mack, and then you have JC Jackson, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Ooh. Like it's just like it's just like they're gems all around this team when you look at it. But to be honest, you have the you have the quarterback locked up. You have a great quarterback with Justin yeah. Herbert. But what I feel is that don't do this it for what Chargers this Chargers <laughs> team is looking is a little overlooked to be honest because to be honest I I'm gonna say the Broncos are gonna win this game but I really want to see how the Chargers play through the first half of the season because right they have all the necessary talent but we've seen teams that have talent and then crumble we've seen teams that have the talent but don't just what do you call it get you right. know, like you're saying they're gonna win the division like it all it doesn't they look like they out. can do it um let's see i will tell you right now so the chargers what are we at week six Fawad? yes okay so the chargers they'll go through the so they got a couple division games head on so they'll go to the raiders week one then they'll go to the chiefs then the jaguars the texans um then the browns and then they'll reach the broncos so i don't know what's gonna happen with Deshaun watson i i think he'll probably get suspended by the league but we'll we will see what happens there uh, there's quite a few games that I think they could win on this list. And probably by week six, I think they could have at least four wins under their belt. They could come into this game pretty hot. Uh, I just, I, what? I just think about it. I hear what you're saying, right? And I think the biggest problem with the Chargers is actually coaching. We talked about coaching earlier in the show. Both the coaches, Nathaniel Hackett and Brandon Staley, even though he's going to second year, both are young coaches. Last year, we watched him. He made a lot of calls on fourth down. They went for a ton of fourth downs last year, and a lot of them were questionable. And you could say that now after the play was done, whatever. So that will be, I think, their biggest hurdle. But on paper, the, the Chargers, man, they look good. They got Derwin James back there and Asante Samuel. They, I don't know why they just look so good. I totally forgot about uh, the Brandon Staley, that huge play call he made in the final game of the season where he called awesome. a timeout. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you look at these type of mental errors. This, these are the type of errors that add up over the course of a game, and that these are type of th- these are the type of things that are momentum shifting for a team like the Chargers, a team that is top heavy, loaded with tons of talent. When you, get I want to say with- though, they come into the beginning of the season, and and since this game where it falls, uh, even if me and you split this series, I just think that at week six the Chargers would get this win. Just for the mere fact that they come in hotter than than the Broncos would, they have a little more experience. And like we're saying, even though he's made those mistakes, can he learn from them? I I, I really would think he would. So I, that's the reason I give him the win. But I want to see if you agree with me. I feel like what the notion is that the charge. <laughs> everyone is saying that the Chargers have the talent, but you have to also look at Denver in a sense that everyone has been looking at them for the past six years as a team that hasn't been much of a threat because of their quarterback mm-hmm. position, you have a guy at the quarterback position now that can slice up defenses, make plays with his legs, scramble out of the pocket, pick up first downs. I get Justin Herbert is that type of quarterback as well. If you, look, <laughs> if you look, if you look at the Denver Broncos yep. on paper, they're being underlooked in a sense, because I feel like these 
you saying that the Chargers are going to beat the Broncos at this point in the season, it's sort of it's sort of like a statement in which that the Broncos still might not have a quarterback, but that quarterback position is now filled. We have a solidified guy that could play that quarterback position. This is not Teddy Bridgewater. This is not Trevor Simeon. This is not Paxton Lynch. This isn't Brock Osweiler. This is Russell freaking Wilson. This is Russell freaking Wilson that has all the talent in the world. He's an MVP candidate. I don't know. I'm not going to say he hasn't been an MVP candidate in the past, but I feel like this. I don't think he's got a single vote. I don't think he's actually ever gotten the vote. He's going to, in this go around, I feel like he's going to shock a lot of critics. He's going to shock a lot of critics. He's a more experienced quarterback than uh, Justin Herbert is. I know I know talent-wise, Justin Herbert may have a lot more talent, but on the sole fact of what Russell Wilson has done throughout his career thus far, you can't even argue that he's a better quarterback than Justin Herbert. Of course, Justin Herbert has accomplished a lot more in shorter time. And just talent-wise, you look at Justin Herbert. But I look at recency, too. You know, you look at recency, too, and you look at how Justin Herbert performed. Now, Russell Wilson was in Seattle, so we'll have to see how he does in Denver. But you look at that, too. Another thing I'm looking at for too is they play the Chargers the last week of the schedule. Normally I split these games. Sometimes I don't. It depends on how it depends on how we're about to fare this whole schedule out. I'm gonna let you lead on, on this since you're the Broncos fan. Would you like to give them the win? I think they're gonna lose, but would you like to give them the win or would you like to give them the loss? I think they're gonna win. I think right, they're we'll gonna give them the W. Game. We'll give them the W for now, win. but you can't argue me once we get to the end of the season. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right. So oh boy. All right, we got a week seven matchup, which I think is probably the best matchup of the season. We got uh we got the, we got the we got the Broncos <laughs> taking on Zach Wilson and the New York Jets. Of course, this will be at mile high. I'm not sure what the time is on this. Probably a one o'clock game. Um I'm gonna let you go first so you can just tear in. Broncos are gonna win. That's a loss, right? <laughs> I think I think the Broncos are gonna win. Um, you know, you look at the inexperience for the Jets and you look at I feel like Robert Saleh in his second year is gonna do much better than he did in his in his first year. Right. But what I think is the Broncos on paper look better talent wise, they are better. You look at Zach Wilson, I feel like he is gonna take a very big, big leap into his second year in the league. They have weapons around him who uh, they had an incredible first round in the NFL draft. I think one of the oh, they best. Sure did. They had one of the best first rounds I've ever seen out of a team. Three picks, and they just utilized them to perfection. They got Gardner. They got a wide receiver. I think who they get? They Garrett got Garrett Wilson. Wilson. They got Jermaine they got Johnson. Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Jermaine yeah. Johnson. You look at this team on paper, they're constructed very well. But for me, I feel like the Broncos are just – a lot more well constructed than the Jets are, which is why I'm going to give them the W. I want to say I gave them. A, I want to say I gave the Jets a loss already because I, I did the Jets schedule. I want to say that I want to say they lost this game. They have had to. Yeah, I I think me and Mike Murphy when we did a Jets show together, we both agreed that <laughs> that they were going to lose this matchup just for the mere fact that. Like you're saying, the Jets are inexperienced. I think the Jets are going to have a good season this year. You know, Zach Wilson, he's taken on year two. He's, uh, I think he's attending like the tight ends camp they're having in the NFL with George Kittle. So, you know, you look at it, they got Brees Hall. They got Michael Carter in there. Um, they I'm got so Corey excited Davis, to Elijah see that Moore. duo. It, I, it I like kinda, 
it kind of reminds me of what we got going in Denver with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. That one, that two running back set is really starting to take over in the league. Yeah. And you're, you're looking at it a lot on a lot of teams. You look at it with uh, the Broncos. You have Javante Williams. Oh, and, they got uh, that. You know, people argue. Melvin I Gordon. really think that the Broncos, you're going to see this season, they have the best running back tandem in the NFL. I think people then, are really going to start to notice. And I think that's going to be their biggest core because their defense is good. How is Russ Wilson going to perform with wide receivers? Like, that should be a no-brainer. But I think the biggest part of this team that people are arguing or may miss, even though Melvin Gordon's going to come back, I think Javante Williams is going to lead this, and Melvin and Melvin Gordon's going to be a really, really solid two, and he's going to come in like a one-two punch. And I think that's going to be the strongest part of their team. Absolutely, absolutely. You look at this running, you look at this running game for the Broncos – it's going to be a driving force. I feel like in those short, short situations, yeah. third, third and short, second and short, you look at these small yardage situations. This is when you're going to need a power back like uh, Javante Williams to pull through. I don't know if you saw what Javante Williams was able to do over his first season in the oh, league. He was just trampling through, team. hurtling over people, <laughs> going past, gra- rallying with crowds around him moving the chains and yeah that's just the type of running back you want for your team that's why i'm just so excited for the denver Broncos he's, team. he's fun to watch so special yeah he's fun to watch he's exciting i had him on my fantasy team last year i used him for like three or four games when he was hitting 20 points in a row so that was helpful i i think i think they're in for a good show because they could both catch they could both block they could both run hard um melvin gore is a little uh, is a bigger back and what's interesting, too, about this matchup, Michael Carter and Javante Williams will be seeing each other, both different sides of the ball, but they'll both be seeing each other, uh, UNC backs yeah. uh, in mile high. But, yeah, the Jets, they will be, it's going to be cool because at, that will be the middle of the season. So you'll know at that point where the Jets and the Broncos will be. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, I just think the Broncos, at, at that point in the season, they just they would have a better roster. They look better than the Jets. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give the Broncos a W on that, but the Jets, man, I'm excited for what they could do. Cause they got a lot of young talent. A lot of people are looking at them after the draft. I'm hoping they don't get too overzealous, but, uh, the team looks good. Interested to see what the defense looks like. I heard from camp today that sauce Gardner looks really good. He was locking up. He locked up, uh, Elijah Moore, I think Corey Davis, and then Garrett Wilson. He was locking up everybody apparently. Um, so, and then I'm interested to see what kind of step Zach Wilson takes in year two. How can he fix some of his fundamentals and his mechanics so but yeah i'm gonna since it's a mile high too and it's it's gonna be a home game for denver i think that's a win for uh I for feel denver like, Broncos. I f- yeah i feel like with the what we have going with the jets is you look at the long-term progression with them you know not all not everything you're not gonna get everything down all at once you're gonna this is a process that we have to be patient in you have players in place for this team to succeed, but you have to know that along the way, there are going to be hurdles you're going to face. There's going to be agony. There's going to be frustration. But, you know, you look at the overall complexion of the Jets. They have the pieces in play. They have a young team. But when you look at the young, when you look at the younger teams in the league and the experienced teams in the league, the thing that separates both of them from each other is the mental errors they make. Usually right. the, the team that's more experienced makes less errors and the teams that usually make the less less errors over the course of the game are probably going to be the teams that pull out the w and this is what you look at in the jets you're going to see them make these mistakes that might seem to them daunting at the end of the game but they're just unforced errors that you look like look at over the course of a game but 
it's not it's not the it's not the end of the world you know it's a it's going to be a slow progression but the jets are going to go through it uh seamlessly and i feel like it's going to be a great couple of years coming up for the jets but it's going to be a great learning year for them there's a lot of big ifs when it comes to the jets and i think if which would be really scary if the jets for some reason start clicking earlier in the season and they start winning games and they look hot i think that's a scary thing for a lot of teams because if they are, it's a young, hungry team. And you look what happened with the Cincinnati Bengals last season, a team that caught fire and, and took the league by storm. I, I think that could happen, but it's a big if. That would, that would, that would be have a lot of things to click. But again, that would be pretty scary. But I think the Broncos are just a better team. So Yeah, I feel like the teams that are more underlooked over the course of the season, they end up like sh- shocking some people so badly that when yeah. the other opposing team comes into the game, right, they're not really expecting that team to play that good. But that's the thing about a team underlooked by the Jets. I would rather be underlooked than overlooked because I get to shock a lot of people with the the way my team comes into the game and plays. I would rather be underlooked because if they're playing, if they're not playing as hard as they would as uh, a far superior team, you know, mm-hmm. then, you know, just things start to take place. And I feel like being more underlooked is better than being overlooked because you get a chance to catch these teams off their heels and, you know, catch a sneaking W along the way. All right. So the Broncos are one, five, five and what, two? Five and yeah, two. Five I have two. them at I five, five and two, two. till this point. All right, I have I them have. at five and two. Too. All right. So week eight, they're taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville in Florida. Um, I'm just going to tell you that that's a win for them, but I don't even need to go any further than that, but you can go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know if you caught this one. This is actually a London game, early morning is game. It? Uh, no, I don't yeah, think I actually noticed it, that. It is, it is a London game. Oh, uh, boy, I'm... let me take that back. Let me take that back. Hold on. The Jaguars are really good in London, okay? They're really good. That's their home. People love them over there. All right, Trevor Lawrence is going to hit this game. The Jaguars are going to come out strong. They got Travis Etienne coming back. They play, pay Christian Kirk about like $90 million. So they're going to come out strong. They're going to hit the Broncos with a 14 nothing at halftime. And the Broncos are going to ultimately win this game 50 to 14. All right, go ahead. Um, <laughs> that's a nice analysis, but I think the, <laughs> the, the Jaguar, the Jaguars are going to lose this game. I think uh, I had the Broncos are playing their first game in London. I don't think I've seen them play in London, but I'm really excited for this game. Early morning game. I got to wake up, but I really am excited to watch this game early in the morning, waking up and having breakfast at the same time, but turning the game on to some Broncos. Yeah, right. I'm incredibly excited, but I feel like this is a great like game to close out your first half of your season after this yep. week nine we have a bye week bye, yeah. at this point at this point over the course of the season you're six and two beautiful way to close out uh, over the first eight weeks of the season you come out of the bye week then you got a little bit of your tougher stretch of your schedule coming up so a uh, great way to close out the first eight weeks of football for denver six i want to say that's like their home, though, the Jaguars. You know, they, they live over there. It's like their second home. They won I mean, one game. They won one game last year. That coincidentally was their first game, first win <laughs> of the season, I believe, right? Yeah, it was. I think they beat the – I want to say they beat the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did, I believe so. Let me see. Hold on. I'll let you know how they do over there. And by the way, breakfast is the best meal of the day, even though you brought up breakfast. I want to let course. you know that, that eating breakfast to a football game, but it's got to be like a good breakfast. You can't be eating cereal. You know what I mean? It's got to be like a genuine breakfast. 
I, I can agree with that. That sounds awesome. Sundays during Sundays during football season for me is like a holiday. Every Sunday, 18 <laughs> weeks of the year, it's like unbelievable. I love it. Let's see where the Jaguars are at. So, ooh. okay, no, never mind. I was wrong. They've lost a lot of games in London. <laughs> Actually, no, no, well, we got three wins here in London. Uh, oh, a loss. Another I don't even loss. think the Broncos have played in London. So I think they're going to be. I want to say I want to say they're split in London, but I'm not exactly sure on that. Anyway, it's like their little little second home over there. But yeah, the Jaguars are going to lose that game. Although Trevor Lawrence, after the whole Urban Meyer situation, he's going to take a step. They got Doug Peterson over there in um, in Jacksonville now. Travis Etienne is coming back. Uh, they're off season. They're off season free agency. They always spend so much money, and it always throws me how much money they spend, and then it always never. It never results into a winning season. It's very crazy how much money they spend, and it just it goes backwards on them every year. I'm still really shocked that they give Christian Kirk the amount of money they gave him. It's kind of unbelievable. Crazy. And then they took um they took on Traven uh, Traven Walker number one. I think me and you talked about that, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we did discuss we did. that. I I was set on that Aiden Hutchinson was going to go to the line somehow, and it happened. And yeah, they took Walker one. A lot of controversy over that, but. Again, that's who they took. And then uh, who did they take at the end? And they took Devin Lloyd at the end of the Devin first Lloyd, round. So yes. I want to say their draft picks were – they took good draft picks. But we'll see how they pan out. But, yeah, every year it's the same with the Jaguars, and I can't, I can't understand it. Last year was, was crazy. Last year was an outlier year. There was a lot of stuff going on in the organization. Um, but Trevor Lawrence was a top-rated guy coming out of college for, I think, like two or three years until he got drafted. That's really important to develop him, like – this, this is supposed to be the guy for the franchise. Don't let him go to Jacksonville and don't let him fall off a cliff and never be seen again. This was supposed to be the I guy of the like, future. I feel like the biggest win for Jacksonville this uh, this offseason was not their free agent acquisition. I feel like they got a great head coach in play in Doug Peterson, a guy who's incredibly experienced yep. on the offensive side of the ball. Look at what he did with Philadelphia and Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz had probably an MVP campaign until he got injured and Nick Foles took over. Eventually they ended up winning the Super Bowl. He's a great offensive yeah. mind, gutsy play caller. Yeah. And when you look at a coach that could like shape him up, uh, implement a system for him to be successful. I feel like Doug Peterson is actually a great, a great fit for Jackson. And I feel like he's going to play a huge role in yeah. uh, developing Trevor Lawrence and making him become that talent that he was over the course of his college career. I love that you bring up that point because it's so important. I think a lot of that, a lot of everything that happened at the end of Philly, there was a lot of uh, relationship bridges that burned down in Philly. So there was a lot of issues there at the end of the season and Jalen Hurts and they were, Carson Wentz was complaining and all that good stuff. Um, but people forget he won a Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl winning coach. He took his backup quarterback squad, just as you mentioned, and they won the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots who had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Um, so yeah, he is a Super Bowl winning coach, and people forget about that. And I was laughing before because because Nick Foles just signed with uh with the Colts where Carson Colts. Wentz just was. Yeah, yes. so that's why I was laughing before. But yeah, people forget that, and I think it's a really good signing. And the reason they hired him was for Trevor Lawrence. So I'm 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 curious to see how that will pan out. Uh, but yeah, people forget that all the time that he won a Super Bowl for Philly. It's like it's like they won a Super Bowl and it just like didn't happen. Yep. 
It was only three years ago, I think, for four, two, three years ago, whatever it was, 2018. Yeah, it's 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 strange that everyone forgets it so quickly because yeah. it was like a golden age for Philly. But, you know, I feel like Philly is in that mode again where they got their talent in place right. and they're starting to get they're starting to pick up their groove again. But that was really a big year for Philly. And you looked at it, everyone was counting them out. I remember the underdog status. They were given everyone was wearing the dog mask saying yeah, yeah, they were yeah. the underdogs. But, you know, Doug, Doug Peterson really proved a lot of critics wrong this season. Right. And yeah, and he like brings that, play a big role. He brings that mentality to, to, to Florida, to Jacksonville, that underdog mentality with him. Because, again, the Jaguars un, un, are, are going to be underdogs in every game probably. And uh, he brings that with him. He brings that experience with him. I, I, I just think it's an organizational issue in Jacksonville. Like, they just – the GM, the owner, I think they have too many problems up there in the front office. Uh, again, which is why I am so confused every year. They spend so much money in free agency um, and then just just never pans out. But I think coaching and the roster. That's a different story, but the front that's office, I think those are they're on two different scales, which is why Jacksonville is all, always all over the place. But at yeah, this point, like, wide, oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I feel like that the biggest the quarterback's best friend is definitely that running game. And you look at James Robinson and yeah. now you have Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence played together at college. So I I feel like that's gonna be a huge, huge, huge thing for them. And they're they're not gonna they have that chemistry down. They know what they did in college, but you have James Robinson, another really good running back. But the thing is that's gonna make these running backs even more explosive. If they become better, bigger options in the passing game, it will make this it will make this Jacksonville offense even more explosive. I love that. James Robinson is such a hard-nosed guy. And uh Travis Etienne, he's so elusive. He'll play back, he can play even he can probably even play wide receiver. Um yep. And they fixed up that offensive line, too, why They resigned Cam Robinson. They brought in Brendan Sheriff. So they are trying to secure things for him. The, the, the weapons on offense, they got Christian. I just pulled up the depth chart. Uh, they, got Christian, they got Christian Kirk. They got Marvin Jones. They got Zay Jones. So the offensive weaponry is a little off. I like the backfield, as we've been talking about. The defense, again, uh, they improved. They still got uh, Shaquille Griffin back there. And they got Devin Lloyd, who they added, Trayvon Walker, uh, Josh Allen, who's on the D-line, Malcolm Brown. So they got pieces there. Again, I look at them almost like the Colts, even though they're younger at quarterback. The offensive weaponry, like the wide receivers, are these guys, is anyone here really a number one? Is the tight, they got, you know, Evan Ingram from the Giants. I know how he yeah. is. Again, what is the passing offensive game going to look like? That should be, uh, doesn't look good on paper, but we'll see. I feel like what a lot of what a lot of people tend to do, and I I don't know I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, but if you have that name brand name that really big yeah. name, let's say mm-hmm. if you have like Devonte Adams, right, right, look at the Raiders. You know, yeah. obviously he doesn't compare to the average wide receivers in the league, but having average wide receivers, like not not hearing their their name as much in the media, doesn't mean they're not good. They're good players, but they're just not the caliber of a Devonte Adams. They're still good players, and that's what I feel right. like we have in Denver too. We look at all the support. We look at all the other squads in the AFC West. They have such big names. You look at Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs. You look at for the Chargers. You have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and for the Broncos, we have Jerry Judy, Corlin Sutton, KJ Hamler. If I if I were to ask a normal football fan who those players are, they probably would question like, who are those people? But if you look at it, those are young players. It doesn't mean technically, if you're not hearing their name in the media, they're not right. good. They're good players. But when they jump onto the scene, everyone will know about them much better. Well, I'll tell you what, Fawad. Marvin Jones has always been a two. 
even when he was with the Lions, when he was um, with the Bengals, they have Zay Jones, who was with the Bills and with the Raiders. He's always been a two or a three. Christian Kirk last year, who I thought would probably pop off a little more, was still a three or four, who's a really good depth wide receiver, which is, again, I don't really understand why uh, a deep, deep route wide receiver, which I don't know why he got 90 million. But again, he, he did produce last year. He was like another three or four. But again, AJ Green and they had and they had DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and they even had um, oh geez now I'm forgetting his name so I'm not going to go there but um, but they had they had a couple wide receivers where he was down not and Evan Ingram who again you leave the Giants he he didn't really play well there so yeah I hear what you're saying with the names but I look you got to look at statistics too and the patterns and I would say their best wide receiver is Marvin Jones. Yeah, I gotta agree with you on that. So it's you know, tough. and it's tough for some for some for some teams. They feel as if you're giving these guys a huge contract, but they've never had that type of workload where they're like accustomed to being a number one receiver, being accustomed to being relied on so much. So if you're giving Christian Kirk that type of money, I'm expecting that you're expecting to be a, a exactly. number one wide receiver. Right. So if he can't provide that production, your money is basically gone at that point. If he's not, I'm telling you at this point, the expectation for Christian Kirk should be at this point that he should easily, easily have like one of his best statistical year of his career, even throughout right. His contract years with the Jacksonville Jaguars, I feel like that's going to be the biggest key. He's going to need to learn. He needs he needs to find out a way to produce accordingly because when you're getting that type of money, you better be putting up that t- those type of numbers as well. Yeah, and the Jaguars, they have good depth of wide receiver. I mean, they got Agnew and they got Chenault and uh, a couple other guys. But like I said, I think the strongest part of that offense, as you, you, you brought up too, is going to have to be the offensive line. Trevor Lawrence is going to have to come together in the running game. They're going to have good run, they have good running backs back there, and then we'll see how the defense comes together. But uh, but again, the the Broncos at this point, I think where we got six wins, squad one, two, six, yeah, six, six wins, two. six and two, six and two. So we're heading into the bye, which will be week nine. They get rested up, and that's two, squad. You know, you head into the they got a nice bye it's right in the middle of the season. Well, we don't know I who's going to get buy. Yeah, we don't know who's going to get injured and stuff like that too. So a lot of that plays a factor. But yeah, it's a nice spot. It's right in the middle of the season. Right. It's like almost like a, a good half. It's like you cut the yeah. rest of it in half. Not like a week that's what four. I love when yeah, I always great. when I always look at the season schedules coming up. I always look at look where at we buy. got the buy because I hate the buys that are earlier in the year, because when you're like the season really does take a toll on you there. This game is very physical. Football is a very physical game. And you look at it, you want to have your buy at like a relevant time over the course of the season at the midway mark, probably like nine, 10. I remember the year we won the Super Bowl, we had our bye in week 12. And that was like, I felt like a perfect, perfect time at yeah. that point because we were winning a lot, but the bye plays a big factor in your overall success and your overall complexion. That's right. The more rest you have, the better your chances are performing over the course of the season. All right. So they come out that week nine by fresh. They go and play at Tennessee. They're going to play the Titans week 10. Go ahead. What do you got with the Titans? I'm not actually sure on this right now. I'm going to have to formulate something here. I feel like if this was a home game, that it would be it would be much easier to decide an outcome. But I feel like Tennessee, uh, t- uh, being at Tennessee is going to make this a little difficult out of the bye week. I know that they've gotten their rest. They've gotten their rest heading out of the bye week. But I feel like Derrick Henry, even though the Titans have lost A.J. Brown, they still have Julio Jones. They brought on Traylon they, Burks. They, they brought on Traylon Burks. Well, Julio Jones like, is not there anymore, I don't think. he he he. They let him walk. 
the little they brought in Robert Woods. They traded. Remember, they traded for. Oh Robert yes, Woods. Robert Woods. Yeah. Robert Woods. Um, I yeah, feel I like I feel like I feel like Tennessee. Tennessee. I feel like the Broncos are going to be caught off guard. They're gonna they're gonna be in their rhythm, but actually the. I feel like it's going to be a close game, but I feel like the Titans are going to pull this one out after the bye. You know what's crazy about the Titans is they were such a good team last year, and then Derrick Henry went out, and like they they carried themselves without him uh, throughout the whole season. Like they made it all the way to the playoffs without him, and, and proved they really didn't need him. Uh, the defense again, they they should have won that that Cincinnati game, and then it came down to Ryan Tannehill throwing that interception and a lot of other things too. But that's ultimately what ended the game. Uh, do, curious question for you do you think if the titans start out like maybe two and three or they'll or bring three, in malik willis uh, three and three or something they'll like that in malik willis right do you think there's going to be an outcry for malik willis because that's what I, I, think, I think i think there there could be a good i think there's going to be a lot of hype with that if the titans do yeah. start off stagnant i feel like malik willis coming in coming into the game will definitely be a big, uh, big decision for uh, Mike Rabel to make. Yeah, the defense still good over in there in Tennessee. They got you know Jeffrey Simmons, who we saw last year. Uh, again, looks good. The Bud Dupree, they still have him. Uh, Landry, they still got him at linebacker. Remember, Caleb Farley was a good draft pick last year. He was highly rated. Uh, and then I, I love that they brought in Robert Woods just for a six round pick coming off the ACL. We'll see what he could do. But I think Robert Woods is still a top tier wide receiver. Uh, and then we look at their running backs. Last year, I mean, look. Derrick Henry's going to come back healthy. You still have Ryan Tannehill there, a quarterback who's taking you to the playoffs multiple times. Last year, I thought they could have potentially been a Super Bowl team. Didn't happen that way. Um, but again, they bring in Traylon Burks to get rid of A.J. Brown because they couldn't pay that contract or whatever. But uh, at Tennessee, what'd you say? You gave them you gave them a loss, right? I gave them a loss for that. Yeah. This is tough. At Tennessee... What are you basing the loss off of? Because I think these teams match up pretty well. I, I think I feel I think like the they offense... match up well, but I feel like the difference maker in this game would definitely be Derrick Henry. You know, Derrick Henry is a truck. I feel like if it comes down to a close game, I feel like the Titans might pull it out solely for the fact because they're at home, but they also have Derrick Henry. But on the other hand, if I were to give the Broncos a W, it would be because of Matt Ryan's late game situational football decisions. If he throws a late game interception and it comes down to it and we're oh, Ryan down to like that two minute warning and, you know, Broncos are in field goal range to bring out Brandon McManus to kick a, a, the game winning field goal. I feel like that's, it's going to be that type of game that that's how it's going to play out. But other than that, if I feel like the home crowd is going to be a big factor. And I feel like if, if the Broncos fall down late in this game, early on in this game, it's going to be hard for them to come back because I know those fans in Tennessee go heavy behind them. All right, I'm going to agree with you. We're going to give them the loss on that. I'm thinking hard about it. You know what's interesting about the Titans too is they know now that they can almost be expendable in other places because they don't really need A.J. Brown. They brought in Traylon Burks. We'll see how he performs. You know, they brought in Robert Woods, who, again, I really love this acquisition. You know, they, they went without the whole season without pretty much Derrick Henry and still made it to the playoffs. And their defense is going to come back healthy. They resigned a couple of guys, bringing back Bud Dupree. Uh, they should have won that game against the Bengals. They probably could have been in the AFC Championship game. So, yeah, I, I think Derrick Henry, again, is going to be disruptive. But they still got a good backfield back there. And I think they, they drafted Hassan Haskins, too, back there. And I want to say there was one more guy who, who ran back there last year who was really good. Um, I don't know if it was. Jeremy McNichols? 
McNichols was good. They had Hilliard back there, I think. So they got a lot of talent there. Like I said, I, I want to see if there if anything comes up. If they start off shaky. Um, will Malik Willis come in? But yeah, I'll give I'll give the uh, the Broncos a loss on that as well. And then what do we got here? Six and three, mm-hmm. and they're heading into Week Eleven uh, again against the Raiders. So they'll be at home. This is a home game. We got the Raiders week 11. They lost to the Raiders week four. Again, I like to split matchups. Uh, the Chargers yeah, one, I, I wasn't. I'm going to be honest. I have the Chargers them splitting. one, I was I not have, splitting. But I have them I splitting. Have I, I have them winning both the Chargers matchups. I have them winning both the Chargers matchups. And it's a hot take, but I think they're going to be able to do it. I don't know. It kind of sounds so weird when you initially say it because it's like a really hot take when you right. look at it on paper. The way the teams look, it's like I know on paper. How can you hard. just say that right off the bat and be so confident in saying it? But I feel like although the games might be close, I feel like them. I feel like I feel like sort of like everyone's really underlooking Russell Wilson. Like that quarterback, we have a quarterback now. Does everyone understand the significance? The division got so strong that that I can't even explain, but you look at the, the quarterbacks in this division, the quarterback play is phenomenal. I feel the like the division games are really important because that's really going to determine. You got to, you got to win Russell these, you got to win his division the, to get out of the conference. Russell Wilson is really going to tip the scale in this division. If he gets underlooked, I'm telling you, he's going to shred defenses left and right. I want to say this is a win against the Raiders. Are you, did you give him a win? I did. Like, I, I would like win. to give him the win too. I give this him is a whole, it's also a home game for the Broncos. Yes. I want to. I want to automatically give them the win for Week Twelve because I don't know what's going on in Carolina. I don't like the team. Um, the quarterback situation again is all over the place. I'm going to give them the W. Can you agree with me on that? I feel like we don't have to go any further than that. I think. I think. I think uh, they'll win. It's going to be. These are the type of games I said that the Broncos really need to capitalize on over the course of the season. When you see right. a team that may be struggling at that point during the season, I feel like Matt Rule is really all over the place with this team. We don't know what's going on with that quarterback situation. So it's going to be a chance for the Broncos to take advantage and capitalize on those easy wins because you know that December. Schedule stretch. I don't know if you looked at those final four games of the season. Yeah, I see them right here. Yeah, the most difficult schedule you're ever going to see. I feel like if it comes down to making the playoffs or missing the playoffs, it's going to be come down to the end. Yeah, yeah. If it comes down to the end, um, you know, it's going to be really, really tough. That's why you need to really capitalize, capitalize, and win these games in between with teams that are really struggling. I love this next matchup. I what are we at? What do we have? Eight wins. Seven, eight, yeah, eight, eight, what are they, eight and three? I think they're eight and three. Yes, eight and three, yes. Okay, so week 13, they're going into Baltimore against John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, and the Ravens. We talked about a lot about coaching, but the experience. I think, again, this is another matchup that plays into. Lamar Jackson, we'll see what happens with the contract. Um, I hope he gets his contract. I hope he gets paid, but he's just one of those better players when he's healthy. Uh, they lost. They had a, a really bad season last year because they lost all their running backs. They lost all their cornerbacks. That defense is a top ten defense. Um, that's no question. That offense again is a top ten offense when Lamar Jackson is healthy and is at his best. They got rid of his best friend Hollywood Hollywood Brown. Um, Ken Rashard Bateman turned to that number one wide receiver. Their offensive line I think is really good. I just think where where the Ravens are at experience wise, I think that would give them the win. Um, Plus Lamar like- Jackson so dynamic. 
uh, he's he's so incredibly dynamic. And, you know, the league is really shifting towards those mobile quarterbacks and, you know, giving them the opportunity to it's giving them the freedom to make those plays outside the pocket and, you know, run with your legs. And that's the thing that the Ravens do really well. They have the players. They have Lamar Jackson in their center. They have a good running game. Uh they're two running backs that got JK Dobbins. JK Dobbins back JK there. JK Dobbins. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big deal Gus for Edwards. Baltimore to get their team healthy. But I feel like that's what's being underlooked about them, that they were unhealthy last year. Their record didn't reflect how good they were because they really didn't have their skilled players. They on lost the field. it was they lost everybody last year. They lost every player, basically. It was crazy. So it, it's not a reflection of how bad Baltimore was if their players were on the field and they were losing I would understand but yeah and their defense got better their defense got even better they added Kyle Hamilton in the draft um they got it uh added uh Ojabo from Michigan in the draft they even even fixed up their offensive line even more I want to say they uh who they draft Tyler Lindenbaum from Iowa Lindenbaum so yeah they got better he's one of the best I looked I looked at the draft and I was like when he was sitting there I was like whoever gets him he's a He's a starter from the beginning, Tyler Linderbaum, one of the – he sort of reminded me about, you know, when the Colts drafted Quentin Nelson a couple of years ago yep. with number one. He, he just sort knew. of reminded me of that type of player, you know. But I also feel like I reflected back on this uh, and last episode. I was like, you're not going to want to take a center late in a first, like first two picks in the draft because I remember that Quentin Nelson was probably the second pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. But the where he landed on the board for Baltimore, I felt like it was a no-brainer for them to get. I think the Broncos defense and their secondary is good as well. I think the biggest question in this matchup is going to be, do the Ravens have enough offensive firepower wide receiver wise? Cause they got the tight ends. They got the running backs. We'll see where Rashard Bateman can be. But other than that, they don't have much out there, but they again, Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews is there as right. well. Again, I, I just think Baltimore would get, is just has the experience. They, most of the team is veteran. They add a lot to the defense. When Lamar Jackson is healthy, they're probably one of the most dynamic teams, whether they have receivers or not, which is crazy. Um, but I'm, I would give Baltimore the win. What do you think? Lamar Jackson plays a quarterback in the running back position at times. He was a 1,000-yard 1, yard plus thrower, 1,000-yard plus running on the ground. So it's hard to look at. You know, you don't even re- need a running back when you have Lamar Jackson. It's hard to evaluate. It's a great because, luxury to have. Yeah. It's a great luxury to have running backs like J.K. Dobbins like jk dobbins to throw the ball to but you know when you have legs like lamar jackson it's not really necessary but it's an added right. bonus it's hard to evaluate them because they've been in the playoffs with lamar he's taken to the playoffs and every year since he's been drafted we're saying they need wide receivers they haven't gotten wide receivers it doesn't seem like they'll have them this year we'll see how tylen wallace and rashard bateman pan out from the draft but again he just seems to do it without him because he's just a superman so are you going to give? Are you giving the Ravens the win? Because I want to. Um, I think I'm, I'm giving. Go I, I think the Broncos will lose this game. All right, that's what I thought. All so right, so four. right. So this is interesting because now we're going to the last stretch here, and there's one, two, three more division games. Uh, and they play the Chiefs twice, and then they'll play the Chargers again. But four we of four- the last four of the last five teams remaining on the schedule are playoff playoff teams. teams yeah. Yeah, so, yes, they are. Oh, well, they'll play the Chiefs this, twice. So back, actually, yeah. all their last matchups are playoff teams, even though they played Chiefs yeah. twice. So, yeah. well, you, and, well, no, not Baltimore. Baltimore was not a playoff team last year. So you look at this schedule. They go to the Chiefs. They're not. They're going to play a mile high. 
Um, the Chiefs, got they traded Tyreek Hill in the offseason to Miami. A lot of people questioned that and said, did the offense get worse? You told me, and I, I love this point you brought up when we did one of our draft shows, they have to go defense, defense in the first round. I remember you saying that, and they did. Um, and then they draft. They were able actually to get Sky Moore in the second round, which I thought was a great pick. Great and I think pick. they actually, you know, you you actually convinced me. I actually think they're going to be okay on offense because they have Josh Gordon there. They got Hardman. They got Valdez Scanley, Smith Schuster, and Sky Moore, who could could be or could not be Tyreek Hill, but I think he's a great addition. You still have Patrick Mahomes there. The worst part about this team is the running game. I I still think they don't have a running game. Kyle um, Edward Tiller, I can't believe in him because he's still. He gets injured too much, and I just haven't seen enough. I haven't seen enough production out of him to do it. But, yeah, they drafted defense in the first round like you asked, and they did it. Um, I don't think their offense is as hurt as much as people think, and I I think you convinced me that a few weeks back. So I wanted to let you know you did a good job there. But you know what I do have to say about this matchup is the Broncos have not won against the Chiefs. It's been 12 consecutive meetings. They have they're 0 and 12 against the Chiefs for the last six years, and that dates back to the last time we won a Super Bowl. I think so that's going to change. The, I feel like this is going to be the tipping scale over that six year stretch. This streak comes to an end at my, uh, I believe it's at Mile High. It's a, it's at home. This one's at home. It's a home game. I feel like the Broncos are going to come out and win this game. But you ended up getting George Karloftis in the first round for the Chiefs. Excellent pick. I felt like he fits the mold in Kansas City very well. But is that enough? When you look at this Chiefs team and how much they struggled over the course of the season on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Steve Spagnuolo. Trent McDuffie, too. Yeah. But you lose Tyron Matthew. He yeah. ends up yeah. going to the Saints. So well, they brought in Justin it, Reed. Then they bring in him. Then you got to look at the other side. Then they brought in Justin Reed, who's not too bad. He he played for uh, Houston and uh, I want to say the 49ers. So he's good safety too. Like, so then you got to switch on and off there. What I feel like is going to happen with the Chiefs is they're going to end up having to like keep pace and keep on scoring to uh, get their get their wins because right. their defense is just. Right. I feel like they're below par in a lot of aspects and you look at the rest of the division, everyone is so stacked on the defensive side of the ball. Everyone really upgraded on the defensive side of the ball for the Raiders. They ended up getting Chandler Jones. You look at uh, the chargers. They ended up getting JC Jackson. They ended up mm-hmm. getting Khalil Mack. You look at the Broncos. They ended up getting Brandy Gregory. Um, right. And then they drafted that huge Huge draft acquisition at the end of the second round, Nick Benito. I'm I'm so excited to see him play. Um, everyone upgrade on the defensive side of the ball, but there is that gaping hole that the Chiefs have in their game, and that's on the defensive side of the ball, and that's really going to hold them back from reaching their fullest potential over the course of the season. I think we look at these teams, and I think it's great for the Broncos because they're going to come in new. Russ Wilson's new, Nathaniel Hackett. And the Chiefs are that veteran team, that superpower team in that division. Until it's proven otherwise, they are. Um, and then we look at the Chiefs last year, and it's good for the Broncos because they got them twice at the end of the season. So you'll know where the Chiefs are at at that point. And yeah. if the Broncos are as hot as we think they might be, um, you look at last season, Fouad, and I, the first game that comes to mind is you remember, I don't know if you remember this, I think it was a Thursday night, a Monday night game. It was the Giants versus the Chiefs. Now, as we know, the Giants are one of the bigger disasters last year. They almost lost to the New York Giants last year. So you look at how they started last year, even with Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs came off really bad, and people forget about that because they made the playoffs and all that. 
but they were reluctant to run the ball. They were reluctant to change the offense. At some point, teams catch up. It almost seemed like it was about to happen last year, and then they they had that change. But I think I think the Broncos right here at home. I think they get the win against the Chiefs. Um, I I think their defense is good. The 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 Chiefs, even though they have Sky Moore and they have all these weapons there, uh, they still have Travis Kelsey. Will it be enough? Uh, I'm not sure. And the running game is just is just atrocious to me. To me, I really just I've never seen the running game be good in, in the Chiefs the past couple of years. Even they they brought in Le'Veon Bell, they brought in Hilaire. Uh, Bell's gone, but I, I, like I got to give it to the, the Broncos, man. I feel like with what we got going on with the Chiefs, that I feel like that it loss kind of bland. Uh, the uh, the loss of Tyree Kill is so like. I feel like it's so detrimental to this team's success because when you have a guy like Tyree Kill, you cannot replace a guy with Tyree Kill's right. speed. And that's a luxury to have a guy like Tyree Kill. On the other hand, I'm worried for Tua because if he if he can't if he can't implement <laughs> that success on the offensive side of the ball You're with right. Ty- Tyreek as one of his receivers, you know, that's gonna be a huge black mark for him. But for his year, man. Chiefs, I feel like I feel like they're gonna really realize how big of a luxury it was to have Tyree Kill because you're not gonna be able to go down the field right. every every drive and just get that big play down the stretch and get Tyree Kill to score a touchdown and that's gonna be the biggest game changer. It's it's two is not to go off subject, but it's two is make or break year. And when we look at the Chiefs, you hone it on the run game, you you knock that out. Um, no Tyree Kill, so now you focus on the middle of the field with Travis Kelsey. Can Juju Smith Schuster? Can Nicole Hardman, can some of these guys beat you on the outside? I'm not sure. And I just think the Broncos at that point um, are too hot, have too many good weapons, and uh, and take down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I, I'm going to give them the win. I gave them the win as well. You know, because you're looking at the Chiefs, and if you can single them out, like a lot of teams did last year, they were pretty poor in the, in the beginning of the season, even with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So that's how I kind of look at this as well. And Jared, I think Jared, you remember Jared Danko came on the show? He, course, he made the hot course. take that they were going to be last in the division. So there's people that think they're not even going to be two, three. They'll be they'll be at the bottom. I feel like I feel like it's going to be a, I feel like we're going to be shocked with whoever is last place in this division because on paper all these teams look very well structured and yeah. very talent-wise everyone just looks so dominant. If if I feel like if any of these teams were in a, another division alone all by themselves, they could possibly be division winners. I want to say where are we at, Blood? We are at we're what nine at wins? Week Am 15, I wrong? Week 15. Yeah, we're at yeah, nine, how many yeah. nine wins. Nine and what? Three? One, two, three. Yeah, nine, nine and three. Nine and four, I believe. Oh, four. One, Did two, I miss one? Three, oh, I missed four. the Titans. Yeah, nine and four. You're right. Yeah. All right. So week 15. We're at the Arizona Cardinals. It's a home game for the Broncos. I'm not sure what's going on with Kyler Murray. Uh, I think he, I want to say he didn't go to OTAs today. Uh, he, I think he's trying to hold out for a contract. You know, they had all that bad stuff going on. Of course, of uh, course. relationship the wise, the offseason. There, yeah. there's actually a lot of controversy with LeBron, Lamar Jackson as well, saying that that's he what I was talking about before. Yeah, OTAs as well because without a contract, you know, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. You want to lock him up for a long period of time, but. You know, I feel like he's taking it easy right, right now. At this point, they get DeAndre Hopkins back from his suspension. I think it was only a six-gamer. Yeah, so they have A.J. Green. Games. They bring in Hollywood Brown, as I mentioned earlier. They have Rondell Moore, who's the guy I meant to mention earlier, but I forgot his name. Sorry. Um, Kyler Murray. They still have Zach Ertz. They brought in Trey McBride, who I loved in the second round. That was a great pick. 
at tight end. Uh, James Conner still got him in the backfield. Unfortunately, Chase Edmonds went to the Dolphins. We know that. And then the defense, you know, I look at cornerback position last year. It was pretty weak. Uh, I don't know if they did much to improve that this offseason. I feel like this is going to be a back and forth game when you look at it. They lost Chandler Jones. Still have J.J. Watt, but he's usually hurt. I mean, you look at the defense. I don't know how I feel about the Cardinals defense, but the offense, I could say, is good. I like the offense, depending on how the relationship molds with Kyler Murray. And I think the Broncos are at home. Think, They're going to win this game. I think I was just about to say, I mean, you know, that's what it's going to be like. Again, you have to look at who's a complete team. And I think the Broncos are, would again be a more complete team. And I, I don't know. I just don't, I'm not feeling it this season. Like the past three, two or three seasons with the Cardinals, I felt it. There was an energy around the team. This season, no, it just seems, even, it seems off. Even, you know, everything's even, off even, there. Even the last season, you look at it, they were the hottest team to start off the season. Right. There was no other undefeated team through eight weeks of the season until they lost to Green Bay on. And the Packers didn't game. have at that point have any receivers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But when you look when you look at these type of losses, I feel like it comes down to development. It comes to coaching, and I feel like the only person that could change the outcome of a game, and it comes down to play calling. That comes down to Cliff Kingsbury. And it comes down to Kyler Murray's overall success as a quarterback. Is he going to make the right plays, decision-making? And, you know, overall, and it comes down to overall team team effort. And you look at that defensive side of the ball, right. they got weak at the cornerback position. I think there's David too much Watts drama there, injured. too. You look at Chandler Jones uh, uh, leaving and departing to go to the Raiders. You know, this team has some really key losses. And that's why I feel like the Broncos are going to take advantage and win this game. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think there's too much drama there. I love the Cardinals coming into last season. I just I thought they were going to make the playoffs. Again, the, the playoff game last year was there was a lot of little minor things that people missed. The playoff game majority was really bad. Um, it was really bad. It was terrible. And I, I don't know. There's just too much drama going on there. I just don't feel it this season for the Cardinals. So, yeah, I'm going to give the Broncos the – the win there and we'll see what happens with Kyler Murray with his contract and, and all that stuff at the end of the season. But we got, uh, we got the Rams. They're going to the Super Bowl champion Rams. They'll be playing away. So they'll be in Los Angeles. That's going to be a Christmas day game. Is it Christmas? It's going to be a Christmas day game. It's going to oh, be one boy. of those well, better Christmas day games. That's right. And uh, he's not going to bring you home a present this year because I think the Rams ultimately are going to secure the win at this, uh, in this game at home, Los Angeles, Bringing back, I mean, they won the, the Super. At this point, we'll know where the Rams are at. Super Bowl team, they'll be defending it. Um, but the Rams, coincidentally, they bring in, coincidentally, Christmas is also on Sunday as well. So we're gonna have a full slate of games, I believe. I know, I love that. Yeah, no, yes, no, I knew that, but I didn't know this was a Christmas game. Yeah, yeah, they bring in Al Robinson, like I said before. They they got rid of um, Robert Woods, but they have out. I don't know. I want to say is Odell still a free agent because I haven't heard much. But I want to. I know. Say he's I know. Go Sean McVay to... is really trying to lure him. Yeah, he's and trying get to get him back, back in, into yeah. Los, Los Angeles, but it's gonna be. I want to say know, he's not he... signed yet. Yeah, I don't think he's signed yet. I, I think he's still undecided on what he's gonna do. Yeah, but you look at them. They got Van Jefferson. Uh, let's just say Odell. If Odell does come back, this offensive is scary because then got Odell, Cooper Cup, we know, Allen Robinson, Jefferson, uh, Matthew Stafford, who I thought played great last year, Kyron Williams, Akers. who I love from Notre Dame, Cam Akers, Henderson, uh, the defense, no question. They brought back Troy Hill. Um, they have Jalen Ramsey still, Aaron Donald. Like, again, this is the Super Bowl team. They won the Super Bowl. 
I think it's going to be tough to beat them if this is team stays healthy uh, as they are. Um, they didn't lose much this offseason, but I think they they even though what they lost, they added uh, in other in other areas. So the defensive side of the Bobby ball, Wagner they're just too. Too, they just too experienced yeah. there. And, and they're and, too and, experienced. And, and, and they Los have whole, they're top heavy with the talent. They're really top heavy with the talent. You look at yeah. Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey. The this team is loaded on a different level on the defensive side of the ball, and it's hard to like count it count them out I, I like the rams in this especially because it's a home game for them uh so i'm gonna I, i'll give the the broncos a loss uh where do you stand on that i think i'll give them a loss as well uh, it's fair to say they're we're going up against the defending super bowl champions they have a possibility of getting back there again they brought back the majority of their team you know there was that question that we're are we going to see Aaron Donald retire? Because that would have been really the tipping scale. Hey, yeah, right. But that would have been. He didn't it, retire. Yeah. I know. I think he's going to run win more. So I feel like the Rams are really going to win this one. They're too top heavy on the defensive side of the ball. Feels like the Bucks from two years ago when they beat the Chiefs. They all want to run it back. So we'll see. I think the Rams again are a playoff team, um, but they're going to be really strong heading into this one. They're they're probably the best team uh, aside from the Buccaneers in the NFC. I don't think there's any other teams that really challenge them out there. Yep. And then we got two divisional games to end the season. And I want to say we're at 10 wins. You keep yes. a track for me. Cause I got the, I got it here. I, I just am. haven't counted. I All am. right. So at this point, I want to say this is playoff realm and that they're in the playoffs with 10 wins. Usually you are depends on how uh, tough the division is going to be, but they got two division games left and they got to end the season off. Right. So then you got the chiefs at, at arrowhead, which is tough. And then week 18, we're going back to the Chargers at home. So I'm going to leave the floor to you on this because you got two divisional games left, and then I'll come back with you with my point. What do you got with these last two games? Chiefs, Chargers, we got Arrowhead, and then at home. I feel like with the Chiefs and this one, I feel like it's at Arrowhead. It's going to be a difficult, a difficult game. You look at the Chiefs crowd, they go really, really heavy behind their Chiefs. Chiefs faithful is unbelievable. Um, I feel like the pressure might mount up against Denver. It's going to be in a hostile crowd. It's going to be basically the last couple of games of the season are like it's the playoff atmosphere starts to take over. It gets tough. You're going up against a guy like Patrick Mahomes at home. I know Mahomes plays very well at home. Um, Even though he lost last year's AFC title game in Kansas City, I feel like they're going to end up splitting the season series. Chiefs are going to take this one. Okay, what about the Chargers? The Chargers, I feel like they're going to win. They're going to finish off the season at a solid 11-6. and six. You look at – they're playing at home the final game of the season. And I feel like, to be honest, when you look at it – I could agree with it, that, yeah. It, it might be – there might be similar ramifications to what it was this year in the final mm-hmm. game against the Chargers and the Raiders because if they end up playing each other, that, that could quite possibly end up being for a playoff spot, to be honest. All right, so we got them at 11 and – what are we at, 11 and 5? 11 and 6. 11 and 6. 11 and 6. I have them at 10 and 7 because I argued with you that that week 6 game, but we'll compromise at 11 and 6. I just don't – for some reason, that week 6 game really throws me, and I, I, I still think they'll lose that game. So, I mean, I have them at 10 wins. You have them at 11. I think this is, this, this is going to be a playoff year for them, and we'll see how far they can get in the playoffs as well. Because I, yeah. I think they're going to be a playoff team, whether they berth or whether they get the division. Either way, I think they're a playoff squad, and Russell Wilson does do them wonders, uh, does them a tremendous amount of help. And this should be a playoff squad as long as he stays healthy and as long as they can pull it together. But 
they uh, they're in for a really nice season. Of course, the end stretch is really tough on them, but I think they can hold it out. I, I do like the week 18 against um, the Chargers, and I think that the Chiefs they'll probably split that one. But yeah, I think this is going to be a really good season for Broncos fans. Like uh, like I said in the beginning, you know, they got to take advantage of these games, the easier games. I wouldn't say easier game, the t- teams that are that we think they're quite possibly going to mm-hmm. beat. But what I also want to emphasize that over the course of a journey, over the course of an NFL season, it gets incredibly difficult. You get hit with injuries. You get hit right, with adversity. Exactly. When you get hit, when you when you have a team that has this much excitement heading into the season, we have a lot of a lot of storylines. You have a new quarterback. You have a new head coach. You have young weapon, young talented weapons. You have a great defense. Um, you know, it, the key goal at the end of the day is also to stay healthy. So health will take you a long way. And if they yep. stay healthy, I am optimistic. This is going to be a very it's a it's going to be a great season with a potential playoff appearance and quite possibly even more. We just got to see how everything unfolds. So before we get on to our, our next segment, I wanted to ask you, um, do you have a couple of games that you're excited about on this year's schedule? A couple of games. I have a lot of them cir- circled, but the, <laughs> so mo- the most intriguing game, it's the first game of the season. This is a potential Super Bowl matchup, Rams versus Bills. Oh, I love and that. When yeah, you, I have that on mind. And when, and when you look at both of these teams on paper, like I can't even – emphasize and say how excited I am because both of these teams are so loaded on the offensive side of the ball. They play incredibly, incredibly well on the offensive side of the ball. I think on the defensive side of the ball, it's going to be a battle watching both these quarterbacks going up against the opposing defenses. Bills have the Bills possibly have the best defense in the league this year. You look at the Rams, they also have one of the best defenses in the league this year, which makes this matchup also more intriguing. And the quarterback back matchup Stafford versus Josh Allen it's It's a a beautiful beautiful way to open up the season and I'm just so excited to see that season opener I hope I have a lot of players in my fantasy league playing that day (laughs) (laughs) I got a I got a couple matchups like you do um I got the Rams and the Chiefs week 12 again the last time they played was in 2018 both the young hot quarterbacks coming in uh now since change Jared Goff's not there uh but that was like a 50, 60 point total game. That was crazy. So I'm excited yeah, to see crazy. that one. Bills Rams, I had on mine. Uh, week one, I have, oh, well, since it's September 11th, they got the Jets playing at home against the Ravens. I'm interested to see how the, the, the Jets will play, how the crowd will come out. It's always an emotional time around September 11th. Me and you both know we live in uh, New York, New Jersey. So I think that just the atmosphere of that game will be interesting. I think the last time they did that was like against the Cowboys oh so long ago. Um, and then they got the Bucks, the Rams rematch from, from the playoffs in week nine. And then week four, I had a couple games listed in this. Uh, I like the Jets-Steelers game. Might be a little biased, but I want to see maybe Kenneth Pickett will start by that game. How will Zach Wilson fare? Um, Patriots-Packers, I really like because it almost seems like two disgruntled teams who lost key players, who lost star players, and now they're both veteran teams trying to find their way. How will the offensive look, look for the Patriots without Josh McDaniels? How will the offense look? With for the Packers without Devontae Adams. I think that's interesting. Um, and then the Chiefs and the Bucks, that's going to be a good one too. Uh, that will be on, I think I want to say, I want to say that's a night game on week four. But those are the games I'm most excited to look out for uh, on this year's schedule. 
Yeah, um, I really have another big one, Patriots and Raiders, for the sole fact. I just want to see uh, Josh McDaniel hey, and Bill Belichick oh, you know, go at that. it. Yeah, yeah that's going to be a really big game. You know, it's like the the younger head coach has all the weapons, but then you see the coach that basically, you know, guided him throughout his whole coaching journey. Now they're going up against each other. I really want to see how, you know, Bill, there's nobody who knows Josh McDaniel's coaching yeah. style better than Bill Belichick. So let's see how he's going to how he's going to use it against him. You know, I want to see how it affects the game, how right. the game rolls along, you know, how the play calling shifts in one or the other's favor. So that's, that's one game I'm really excited to see. I think what's interesting about this season too, is we may not get a first round quarterback. Like, you know, Kenny Pickett was the only first round quarterback. We might not get, uh, you know, like a rookie on rookie this year, at quarterback. So we yeah. may be missing that in your schedule. Even if Kenny Pickett plays, there's not really another guy that may. So I think that's an interesting dynamic. We know, I think Riddler went to um, the Falcons. We know Malik Willis went, uh, excuse me, to the Titans and Kenny Pickett to the Steelers, but we may not even see any of those matchups. So actually, I don't even think they may not even be on schedule, but um, like I said, Kenny Pickett, the only first round quarterback, so that will be missing out of this year's schedule. He may not even play, which is also interesting, but I think he will. I think Mike Tomlin really is optimistic with Kenny Pickett and saying that there's a possibility he could start. I feel like, you know, Mitchell, him going up against Mitchell Trubisky, he's going to – Mitchell Trubisky is sort of that type of middle-of-the-pack quarterback. I feel mm. like he had success in Chicago, but, you know, he's not that over-the-top type of quarterback. You know, that second overall pick type quarterback you look at, a, a person that's going to lead your franchise. I think we learned over the course – of his career so far he was in buffalo with josh allen he got to learn a lot but i feel like he's gonna play that type of role for opposing other quarterbacks that are on the team that could potentially lead the franchise to like set like set the stage for them so they could learn the intangibles and then quite potentially you know take over the ranks all right Fuad, i think we're ready to to move on to our next segment so here we go we got cha-ching, cha-ching. We got it under construction here. We got uh, we got a couple new stadiums rolling out. I want to say the Commanders just purchased today or yesterday $100 million of land in Virginia. So they could potentially be moving on for their next stadium. We know the Bills, they put in $1.4 billion to, a new, uh, to their stadium there in Orchard Park. They got 30 more years there. Um, so I think it brings up an interesting question. Who and what will draft our top three NFL stadiums? So me and you will go back on this. I'm curious, really interested. So I thought this was a cool topic to bring up because how often are you talking about stadiums and structures and stuff like that? So we will each do, this is how I draft. I'll draft one and then you'll draft one based off of the trivia question. So if you answer this correctly, I'll let you go first. If not, I will go first. Um, And then, so the rules are, I made it simple. Once a stadium is off the board, you can't grab that stadium. So you got to pick another stadium. Um, and then we'll go back and forth once each of us have picked uh, three stadiums. All right, so you ready? It's a Broncos question, so I, I would think maybe you'd be able to get it. We'll see. I'll ask, you two, I'll ask you two, and then if you can't get the first one, I'll ask you the second one. Okay. All right, this one I found online because I thought it was interesting, so I wanted to bring it to the table. So in 1998, Terrell Davis became the first Broncos running back to rush more than 20 touchdowns. In an NFL season, what round was he drafted in? Um, that was tough. I believe 
Um, I think he was drafted in the fourth round. The fourth round. Is that your final answer? Answer. This was a 1995 draft. Where did they take him? What round? You want to say four? I think I'll say four. Let, let me know. Let me. You gonna lock this in? Um. Yeah, I'll lock it in. Okay, that's wrong. He was selected in the sixth round. <laughs> okay. I'm going to ask you the other one, though, because um, if you were paying attention to this question, you'll know the answer. All right? So this is this is a freebie, okay? Okay. All right, so who was the first Broncos running back to rush, than, rush for more than 20 touchdowns in a single season? Who do we got? Who do you think it was? I think Terrell Davis. boy. Freebie <laughs> win. I really thought you would get the first one. Uh, I, 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 I initially Davis. thought he was in the fifth round, but I had looked it up and he was No wonder he's like so prestigious in the Broncos yeah. like history because he's one of the best postseason running backs ever. Yeah, I had thought down. originally he was from the from the fifth, but it turned out to be the sixth. I had to look it up. But uh go yeah. ahead, go first. That's your first stadium, then I'll go next, and then we'll go back to you until we each have three. So what's your first stadium and then tell us tell us why. I feel like the for me, you know, me being a New Yorker, I feel like MetLife Stadium has to be number one. And wow, when I look, and when I look at it, uh, it's because I love, you know, we look at two of the uh, fan bases, like the Giants and the Jets. No matter how bad their team may be, I feel like yeah. their fans go harder and harder every single day, and that just what makes the game oh so much more exciting that you see two franchises struggling but you never see their fan bases back down they have an incredible crowd I've been to both games where Broncos have played the Giants and the Jets and I've never seen a crowd that just goes so so hard behind their hometown team which is why I have to say MetLife Stadium and other than that even other events that have occurred like at MetLife Stadium big time like concerts like uh, uh, like uh, there are big time concerts that happen at MetLife Stadium. But I want to say, that, I think Lady Gaga is playing. Not to interrupt you, but I think she's playing at MetLife. What a so. what a what a way to like you know have a concert at MetLife Stadium. The, the Broncos, the biggest stadium in the the Broncos, Seattle Super Bowl. Even though the Broncos lost, that was a MetLife. It was huge. Yeah. It was actually yeah. a really yeah. big Super Bowl. Believe it or not, but um, you know, WrestleMania happened there. Like. Yeah two times within the last seven or eight years, I believe. And it was, it was amazing, you know, looking at the atmosphere that MetLife Stadium provides, it's unbelievable. And just on top of that, you have two really marketable franchises in the Giants and the Jets uh, playing there every single week. Their fan bases go behind them unbelievably. So I got to go with MetLife Stadium. I had that on my list, so I'll have to knock that one off. I had a few other ones. But yeah, even Percy Harvin, when he was playing that Super Bowl, the first thing he said about the stadium was was the field. He said it was he fe- he said it was like the fastest field he's ever played on. Like he just felt that it was the the fastest he's ever been. Do you remember him saying that? He I, said I that actually don't remember him was, saying when that. He, when I don't he returned that touchdown that. on special teams, he was like, "Yeah, That's the fastest after that, ever felt. I remember. It's crazy. It gives you all the adrenaline in the world when you're playing yeah. in the biggest game in the world on, on like one of the in one of the biggest cities in the world. So you know, I feel like it was you know good that he said that. I think that this one you'll like that I'm going to pick up here. I'm actually going to go to the Superdome in, in New Orleans. Uh, I, I love the story what happened in 2009 when they went for the Super Bowl run and they had Hurricane Katrina and almost like the whole town came together. They had some A lot of people stayed in the stadium. A lot of people came together. It was almost like a community thing. And then 
the Saints, they went out, won the Super Bowl. Drew Brees was there. Uh, it almost seems like even though New Orleans has been battered and bruised, they seem to have come together as a community. And 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 uh, that was one of the reasons that, that I thought maybe the Superdome would be a great pick. Uh, just remembering what they did in 2009 and going on that Super Bowl run, uh, I think it's a special place to be. And especially you got the Mardi Gras down there as well. <laughs> Unbelievable. So I think I think it's an awesome place to be, and they have an awesome story. And uh, even though Drew Brees is no longer there, I think you, you still got you know, and Sean Payton's not there anymore. That legacy will always be there uh, in New Orleans. I think that's something that's really special, especially that the fans came together, the community came together. Uh, so that that was one of the reasons I picked uh, the Superdome. Yeah, I definitely got to agree with you on that. The dome, the dome stadium itself really yeah. has an a, amazing dynamic when I look at it. There is just so much history around it. You look at Drew Brees, uh, what he's done for the city, and you talking about Mardi Gras. There's so much stuff other than Hell football yeah. that goes on that keeps the city of Louisiana active. And I feel like that's the biggest thing about the Superdome that, you know, the fans go really heavy behind their New Orleans Saints. And, you know, it's a the I feel like the structure itself is so unique. There have been so many historic events that have happened in the stadium. I'm a huge wrestling fan. I remember when WrestleMania 30 happened in the Dome. It was an unbelievable atmosphere. I saw the set. I wasn't I was completely in love with it because growing up, I was a huge wrestling fan. And, you know, the Dome was just such a it was just a place to be at WrestleMania. So I just loved it. It's crazy how, like, when you look at dome teams, like original dome teams, how they fare outside. And then when they go back home, it's almost like they're under, almost like when they're in their hot seasons, like they're undefeated at home. Like the Saints, I know for a while they were undefeated at home in the dome. Uh, it's, it's crazy. It's just a different atmosphere there. Oh. All right. Who do you got next? Uh, what is your second team that you're drafting? Not your stadium My- that you're drafting here. My second stadium I have is AT&T Stadium for the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. I don't know if you had them on your list. Did you have them on your list? I want to say no because it's the Cowboys, but go ahead. Um, you know, that's exactly why. You look at a team that's, that's <laughs> yeah, so right. under the right, scope right. all the time. They're America's team for a reason, and that that's why I have them under the scope. When you have a team that's covered as much as them in the media – it oh, makes their that. it makes their game so much more exciting to love them or hate them. Mm-hmm. Their fans go absolutely crazy behind right. them, and you're like, how can a team so how can fans support a team that's been like that hasn't won a championship for like a better part of twenty plus years? And you know they have. I feel like I actually looked it up. They actually had the average uh, attendance record. They held the most. Uh, they had the attendance record with an average of 93,000 people that attended every single game. But that's that's also because that their stadium is much bigger as well. So we got to take that into account as well. A lot of teams can't have uh, 93,000 people in the stadium because they don't have that many seats. So, but overall, you look at Dallas, they're one of the most marketable franchises in the league. They're always underneath the scope. You look at Jerry Jones with the way he's constructed this team, constructed the stadium, and you look at the overall personnel of this team. You know, this team is exciting to watch. They're marketable and they have, oh, for sure. They're so marketable, whether you love them or hate them, their fans go heavy behind them, which is why I have them as like my second best stadium. There's such a, excuse me, there's such a polarizing team. You got Jerry Jones over there, like 
They are extremely marketable, whether you like them or hate them. They're always in everybody's topic. They are America's team. Like, and, and they've had so much history there as well. I want to say, I don't, I don't know if it was one of the first $1 billion or whatever it was. It was so it was billions and billions of dollars for that stadium. And they got that big screen up, up at the top, yep. some footballs have hit that screen before. Yeah. Um, it's a really nice stadium. Yeah, and they got a lot of history there. But I, I would say I like that pick. Maybe I overlooked them a little bit. But, yeah, just because it was the Cowboys, I didn't go there. But, yeah, no, I like that. I feel like no matter whatever way you look at it, you know, the fan base is what makes that stadium so much more right. pristine because they're the ones that are coming in, creating that atmosphere, like supplying that energy to the uh, to those players, to those visiting teams. And that's just what makes the game so much more exciting, seeing those crazy crowds go crazy behind their hometown teams. This is why I think you're going to like my next pick. Uh, I bet you have – I really think you would have had this on your list. Uh, we talk about the fans. You can't talk about the fans without talking about the 12th man, and I'm talking about CenturyLink Field in Seattle. Uh, oh. All those years in Seattle with Russ Wilson, the Pete Carroll run, the Super Bowls they brought home, the Legion of Boom, Beast Mode. You think of all that there. The, just being named the 12th man, how could you not put the, the stadium in there? Uh I think the controversial catch interception was in that stadium against the Packers. Do you remember that? And Seattle yes. ended up winning that game. Yeah. The Packers said, oh, it was a touchdown. Uh, and then that's where Seattle made their improbable comeback in the NFC Championship game against the Packers. So there's a lot of history there. Um, there's a lot of history. Yeah. And then, and I want to say that was the same game where um, the Packers, they missed the onside kick. And then Seattle, Russ Wilson goes down the field and they win it uh, in OT and they move on to the Super Bowl. So there's a lot of there's a lot of history that goes on there and to be named the 12th man and to be disrupting disrupting away teams and to have that commitment we were just talking about you were just talking about. I think CenturyLink Field is a perfect perfect stadium for the topic. I absolutely agree. I although I didn't have them on my list, I I thought that would I I thought that would be a good backup option if you had taken one of my picks, but uh you didn't end up taking any of my picks. I feel like um you know the Seahawks fan base has such a pristine history as well, you know. I feel like they're one of the like teams that are not as talked about as you would talk about like a Dallas, um, yeah. a New York based team. They're not that they're not, they're marketable, but not in the way those teams are marketable, but I feel like they have a really pristine history overall. All right. So who is your, your third and final stadium? Who are you drafting here? Um, You know, I'm a Broncos fan. I oh, see, <laughs> I see how heavily their fans go behind them. And I have a really, really nice statistic to back this All up. All right, let's hear it. Uh, there is a, for the, dating back to 2020, for the past 50 years, the Broncos had sold out every home game. Oh, wow. 50 years, 50 years. And they straight actually consecutively? ran consecutively, consecutively, wow. 50 straight years. And That's it's great. like quite remarkable, like the tailgating that goes on, the atmosphere that that team provides, it's uh, overall i just love the energy i wish one day i could actually go and visit and watch a, watch yeah, my favorite nice. team play in in their stadium because i know denver fans go absolutely crazy behind the broncos <laughs> and this is why this season is so much also more exciting because when you look at it 
the storylines, the different faces we have around this team. I just love the energy that Nathaniel Hackett gives this team. He's a player's coach. And you look at Russell Wilson, the new man under center. I, we haven't had this type of energy since we got Peyton Manning to come to the, to the Maha City. So when you look at this Bronco City, their fans go heavily behind them. They deserve, they deserve what's coming to them this season. And I hope it's a very successful season coming up. Ooh. All right. So we, we got some good stadiums here. I'm going to, I'm going to give us a chance to do an honorable mention after this. Cause I, I feel like there's so many stadiums out there. There's a lot of history out there. There's a lot of stadiums that, that maybe people might get mad that we missed. So I'm going to give each of us an honorable mention, but I'm going to keep our core three teams. So our core three stadiums. So actually this is tough for me because I have a couple other stadiums on here that I may or not, may or not pick. Uh, you had Matt life. So you took that one off for me. Um, I have about three or four that I could choose from, but I think I'm actually going to go Heinz Field. Uh, you know, for the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you think about the terrible towel. We've been talking about fan bases. You think about the steel curtain they have over there uh, in Pittsburgh. You think about the cold, snowy games, uh, the bus, Jerome Bennis. You think about the Super Bowls they've brought home with Big Ben and the history they've had with Mike Tomlin. And just the, just the owner, Rooney, and, and you, you think about the history there. Uh, there's a lot that goes on with Pittsburgh. Think about Mean Joan Green. And one of the things that sticks with me, even though it's not probably the best memory, is playing at uh, the New York Jets, playing at Heinz Field in that AFC championship game. It was a snowy game. They had Mark Sanchez in there, that 2009-2010 dirty Jets squad where they had a great defense. They go in there. A lot of people thought they'd win that game. They didn't. It was really upsetting, really disappointing. And uh, that field is tough to play in. It's cold. And if you were not there consistently, um, that is a hard place to play. Even Najee Harris said it this past season coming up from Alabama. You know, he said he wasn't prepared. I talked about this to Jared. Some players aren't prepared for that kind of temperature. And Heinz Field could definitely do that to you. I think if we're talking about fan bases, that's probably one of the better ones in the NFL. Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree with you on that. The Steelers have a really pristine history when you look at it from the Terry Bradshaw days to Ben Roethlisberger. Right now, you have a new era on the rise where we don't know who's going to be this franchise's next starting quarterback. I feel like the the Steeler fan, the Steeler faithful is unbelievable. The Heinz Field has an incredible history. And I feel like, you know, when you look at their stadium, their fans really go crazy behind them. And I feel like it's a great third stadium that you chose so we got six stadiums out of 32 teams so we left a lot out but i'm curious so we're just going to give some teams or at least one do you have an honorable mention for anyone that may or may have not been on your list i I know i don't know how big your list was but uh in case i I really i really had one that i really wanted to put on it's gillette stadium new england's gillette stadium and that's because the history of winning the winning culture that goes behind the uh the city of boston look at the celtics 16 nba titles you look at the patriots seven and seven super bowl championships like how can you not put a team like that in that in, in that right. conversation for a best stadium yeah. there's so much winning and where there's so much winning there's so much joy in the city and that's why you have to put the Patriots in the conversation as well I could have had them in my list but yeah. me personally I had I just had the Broncos Broncos in there for the sole fact that the 50 years of having sellouts like that's crazy it, it can be it, it's understated that they're not in yeah, the conversation I love that Gillette Stadium pick. You want to know why, Juan? You're right, because it's the winning. 
right? So you know who won there back in 2009, 2010? The New York Jets, baby. We beat them in the playoffs, divisional round. So I love that pick. Great memories for some of those Patriots fans, even though they beat us multiple times. That's when the Jets beat them in the playoffs. So yeah, I can agree with that. I like that one. So there's a there's a lot of stadiums. There's there's a lot of history here that we may or may not miss. I'm, I'm just gonna throw a couple out. Like Allegiant Stadium was cool this year. It's the Raider Stadium. It was new. It's way new. Um, I just thought some of the stuff they did on Monday night with like Bruce Buffer and stuff was cool. So I just want to throw that out there. But they're not my honorable mention. Uh, like Arrowhead, they're so loud. They broke. The, I saw this. They broke the Guinness World Record book for loudest stadium, like a hundred. Seattle originally. Decimals. That's Seattle. crazy. Seattle. Seattle originally had that record when they yeah. played the Packers in the they NFC did, title yep. game. That exact game you were talking about, they broke that record. And I feel like the yeah. Chiefs broke it then after because they, they were going crazy when Mahomes and, was started playing there. And then we know there's Soldier Field. But my honorable mention, if I were to tag one more team, uh, stadium here, would have to be Lambeau Field. Like I feel like we can't yeah, leave this for out. Sure. I feel like for it's sure. not, it, it, even though it's not on the list, I feel like we really can't forget to mention it. I mean, it, it's got to be a no-brainer. I really thought maybe you'd have it on your list, but I was trying to go with some other teams here. You know, Vince Lombardi, Lombardi Trophy, all the history there, the Lambeau Leap, just the ice-cold state and the cheese head. Like, you cannot leave the, out – we can't leave out Lambeau Field, and I feel like that has to be my honorable mention for today. Absolutely. There's When you look at a lot of these teams that we left out, it, it's sort of like I looked at marketability and all these other things, but yeah. one thing we really have to look at is the pristine history behind The history, these yeah. The history, the heritage, the, the way this franchise grew to what it is today. And, you know, Lambo is the one of the biggest names of them all. Yeah, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you, this, this, the history goes way back, all the way to Vince Lombardi, Lombardi Trophy. Like, that is the place to be. I mean, Lambo, I want to say it's still the same field as it was however many years ago. Like, the seats haven't changed. The people haven't changed. The, the weather, the temperature hasn't changed. Like, like, that is the field to be in, and uh, I just didn't want to leave here without mentioning it. I feel like the old classy look is That's much what it better, is, too, because yeah. it, it gives you a sense of what it was like back in the day. There's right. always some type of heritage in that stadium that reminds you of, like, back in the day. We have to take this with us, because this is from this is where it started, and we're going to take this with us to what it has become, right. the heritage of what the Green Bay Packers have become as an organization and their fan base, what their fan base has made the city of Green Bay and Lambeau Field what it is today. So this was a fun topic. Um, I'm glad we actually got to do it because, like I said, we were holding out for a little bit. We finally got to do it. So I got my three stadiums. I got Heinz Field, CenturyLink, and the Superdome, and I got my honorable mention, Lambeau Field, which is probably going to get scrutinized. I really think like it should be in one of our lists. And then you have yeah Mile High, MetLife, and what's the other one I'm missing? AT&T. AT&T, and your honorable mention was, again? Gillette Stadium. Gillette Stadium, that's right. I feel like Lambeau and Gillette should at least be in our list. That seems a lot. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to put these – I'm going to put our list up. I'm going to put them out there on, on, on the accounts, and we're going to have people vote on them and see, see whose list was better. Uh, I think that's going to be a fun thing for people to do. So we'll have that awesome. out for you. And uh, I'll ha- I'll have that out soon. But Fouad, you ready to get to the final topic of today? Yes, sir. All right. So here we go. As I mentioned to you earlier, you may have not not seen this, but this was just a fun question. So we're going into the sports verse. We're going in uh, a little bit of a different direction here. So just to end today off, the NFL I saw this morning was looking to change the Pro Bowl. Um, what do you think should be changed? You got any thoughts, any thoughts on that? They, I heard like the Madden tournament was thrown around watching people play Madden, uh, getting rid of everything altogether, playing flag football, which I 
honestly would not watch that. Uh, but what do you, I have a really good thought here, but what would you say to this? To be honest, what I don't like about the Pro Bowl is the fact that we have in, in the NBA All-Star game, we have every player playing. Yeah. But the players who are participating in the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl is a week prior to the Super Bowl. So the players that are the best, they don't even get to play. So what I feel they should do is find out a way to implement the Pro Bowl over the course of the season. But I know that it's going to get really difficult because uh, they made it an 18-game season already. And then you look at it now, if you add the Pro Bowl and make it a part of the season, like, you know, there's going to be a lot of days where the teams are not going to get rest and stuff. So that's going to make it incredibly difficult. But the best thing, what I think they should do, they should have some the same way they have like a Saturday night all-star all-star live thing uh-huh. for nba they should do a competition for quarterback throwing competition yeah. they should have i know they do have that yeah, they do the, yeah. they do have that in the nfl but they should dedicate like one specific day in which they do that and then the next day they have the all-star game which is the pro bowl right where everyone yeah. gets to play that would be much more fun because i'd rather see the players who deserve that spot and like should play the whole game because they worked hard over the season to get that recognition to be in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. You look at other sports like the NBA, like hockey, like they have a break for it. Like it's in the middle and it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's exciting. It's fun. Uh, I like watching the NBA all-star game. It's really fun to watch. You look at just, there's just not enough juice around the Pro Bowl every year. And it seems like it's fading away every year. I liked when they did the drafting. I thought that was neat when they drafted teams. Yeah, when that they was drafted good for like teams. The, that was good for like the first year. And then it, it was really off. nice. After that, they were like competitive the first year. Just if you were to do the Pro Bowl, it's hard because you got to be competitive. Like a lot of these guys don't want to get hurt. They want to get injured. It's a physical but sport. I feel like the they have to hand, try and be a little more competitive. And to play flag football would just be something I wouldn't want to watch. Yeah. But, but on the other hand, let's look at it this way. Like they do it in the NBA, the top vote getter from each conference what if they ended up doing that for the nfl and the yeah, top vote getter in the NFL cool. got got to ch- choose for their respective teams how they wanted to assemble the team that would be really fun as well cool. i thought that would be a very unique idea i they mentioned doing like a madden tournament i'm not one to watch something like that on tv and sit down and do that but if they were to do something creative like you know the whole pro ball experience is supposed to be for the players you had a good season you're congratulated on doing a good job you know like you had a great season supposed to have a good time you go to hawaii or wherever they had it last year i didn't even watch it last year so yeah. you know what i mean for the, it's supposed to have a player's experience to it but if they're going to try and do something for the fans which they are uh if you're going to do something like that i think you have to make it interactive for them so why wouldn't they have fans play players uh in like a madden tournament i think that would be neat or if you're going to do um if you're going to actually play football uh you got to be somewhat competitive but i like that idea that the players players pick that's really cool i, I didn't think of that but that's a really nice idea Absolutely. You know, there, there's so many ways to make make the Pro Bowl so much more exciting, right. but it's just gonna take it's just gonna take a little effort. But that's something that the NFL has to do if they want to make this game much more enjoyable, get their ratings up for the Pro Bowl. Because I feel like the Pro Bowl is like one of the least watched all-star games out of all the American right. sports we have. Well, it's hard because it's at the end of the season, like you mentioned before, it's before the Super Bowl. Players in the Super Bowl don't play. Um, it's just the timing and where it is is bad and because and, at that point yeah. everyone is everyone is preparing for the super bowl nobody right. really wants to nobody watch cares the pro bowl. Bowl, nobody yeah. really cares at that point so you it know, comes pro- at a it comes at a really bizarre time 
The Pro Bowl would be cool. I just thought about this. What if the, they did the Pro Bowl before the playoffs? Or do you think that would that annihilate would, too many people? That would be that would be fun. But the thing is, because you know, football really football really takes a toll on your body. And if you look that's at a, it, yeah, that's, that's, that's something that the players have to agree upon as well. So what's the point if the if all the executives and everyone agree to it, but the players don't? you know, agree with it. You know, I feel like the players heading into the playoffs, right. they have a buy, things like that. The, all those things come into account. They want to be at their fullest potential I, in, in the playoffs. Right. So I think that if they actually did a break in the middle of the season, like other sports do, it probably would work out. Like if you didn't do, like if you, if you didn't play the game, like if you just did uh, like skills challenge, like they usually do and stuff exactly. like that, like fun things to watch. And let's just say you did a Madden tournament and you invited fans and stuff like that. That would be cool. Like you do a break, yep. but they don't do that. Like- and since the season is so tough, you play one game each week and it's such a brutal sport. Uh, I don't know how many people would be into that, especially with a lot of people who don't like the expansion of the extra game of the season anyway. Yeah. I feel like that would be a great fit. If, if the NFL try to fit it over the course of the season or right before the playoffs, it'll take a little bit of effort. It will take a lot of people to agree with it, but I feel like it would be a great way to make the Pro Bowl more exciting and more people will get up out of their seats and want to watch the Pro Bowl like they do the NBA All-Star game. All right, boy, we talked about a lot today. Uh, We'll be talking about a lot next time. It's going to be weird the way I'm saying this because I'm going to put this in the same episode or we went on for a while today, so maybe I'll make it two episodes. But do you have any final thoughts for today, my man? Um, You know, next episode we're going to be talking about, you know, we got game four going on today with the Golden State and Dallas, you know, Ooh. we're going to be talking basketball next season. <laughs> That's good. Golden State has yeah. a potentially uh, closeout game to sweep the Mavs and advance to the NBA Finals. So I'm looking forward to talking about that. We're going to see who pulls it out. I got to be honest, like the thing I'm most surprised about, and I had a couple other thoughts, but the fact that me and you are still here, I, I want to say me and you have been here for like two hours. And the fact that we still have another topic to talk about makes us even crazier. It is. It is. You know, there's so (laughs) much. There's so so much much to talk talk about about. in the sports verse. We have so much going on. It's like such an exciting time to be a sports fan. You know, and that's the that's the joy of sports. When you get when you get on with your friends, it's like you know arguing with your friends at the uh, at the the lunch table. Like you know, (laughs) why is your team this? Why are the Broncos going to be better than the Chiefs? This that. So you know, that's the joy of the sports. That's the that's the gift that sports gives us. Is that we can just like get away from everything else get away from the world and just do something that we enjoy that's just watch sports and discuss sports that's the whole point of the show so if you found that comforting today we appreciate you tuning on and what i I appreciate you coming on i think it's uh i think it's cool that me and you went on this far and uh it's a pleasure it's a pleasure listen i know you're you're taking a little i know you're taking a little break but i hope you enjoy it and uh when you come back i'll have you on right away it's always a pleasure, my man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Fwad. So we're going to close out today. It was a good episode. Uh, I enjoyed it. But I want to say thank you for joining me again, everybody, today on another edition of Jake's Takes. Of course, I'll be back next Saturday to provide more of my takes. we got to cover. Uh, we got a lot to cover still, a lot of stuff to do. Um, but remember to visit, visit Tunnel Vision Sports at tvsportsmag.com and follow our Instagram at tunnelvisionsports underscore and our Twitter account at underscore TV sports. Don't forget to follow the Jake's takes Instagram, Instagram account at Jake's takes TVS for everything you need podcast wise. Before we head out for do you want to name out your, your social medias? We'll put that out there. 
so people can tune um, into yeah. your sports accounts. My social media is Fawad.Farouk underscore sports, or I believe I think it's just sports, but I'll drop it down in the description. All right. Yeah, no, send that to me. We'll put it out. Yes. But don't forget to hit the subscribe button, follow button, leave a like, comment, rating, wherever you listen to your podcast. We're on Anchor, right on. So we lead to Spotify, Apple Music. So wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find us there. So for, for, for Fawad Farouk, I'm Jake Serrano signing off. Thank you once again for tuning in and listening. And remember to keep up with all your sports needs with Tunnel Vision Sports, Positive Shift, and Sports Media. We get it popping, homie, day and night. Day and night. Got the party jumping, about to break the ice. Stay up on my grind, that's my way of life. I got tunnel vision, I'ma chase that real life.